everyone, welcome back to the Book and Life podcast. Today we're going to have a brand new book guest on. Whether they're an author, an editor, a producer, you'll never quite know, so you're in for one hell of a ride. But today I just have to uh, do the adverts and then I'll get us straight into that most important conversation. And as as we do every week, um, I'm going to read The Shadow which is part of the Time Guardian series, and this is book four from Marianne Curley. The battle is over, the war is won. The prophecy complete, but life can't just pick up where it left off for Ethan, struggling to cope with tragic loss. At odds with friends in the guard, he finds himself adrift, jumping in shadows and sensing someone who can't possibly be there. Blaming herself for the goddess Athena's death, Giselle swears revenge to fullify the immortal's plan for world domination, but Giselle hadn't planned on love, and that leaves her with an unbearable choice. Should she follow her heart, or the strings of a goddess short on praise but high on expectation, who continues to pull her from the grave? As the guard and the order battles through the past and into an impossible future, darkness looks round every corner. The fight for the world's survival rests with just one. Is it friend or foe who stands in the shadow? And just a reminder that The Price of Freedom by Rosemary Aiken, sorry, Rosemary Rowan, um, is being donated to the Ukraine refugee crisis. And here's the blurb for her book. It's uh, one of her... Roman British crime series, which was written under her maiden name. All editions can be found online where all books are sold, even her agents donating her commission. Sorry, I don't have the blurb for that, but uh, that's that's what she's doing. And now, without further ado, let's get you to the guests. I am super excited today because I have one of the best wrestling writers coming on the show today. He's done more than just write wrestling. He's been in the ring. He's done it all. And he has some really awesome stories. And one of the only people I can talk to about all my shit and he gets it. And it's just generally a good laugh between the two of us. I've seen us spend two, three hours on the phone just going back and forth on stories and crap. So, uh, without further ado, I am honestly excited to welcome on the show Ryan K. Bowman. Well, first of all, it's good to be here, but two or three hours might be a low estimate, to be honest yeah, with you. Yeah, but I was being, been a few I was being, I was being kind. kind. I was being kind, okay? Approximately. But yeah, no, it's really, it's great to be on the show with you. I know we've, we've talked about doing this for a while, and uh, God, you've got a lot going on, years. I've got a lot going on, and, and it's, it's high time we finally got together and did this. Yeah, yeah, because like... I remember telling you I was starting this and you thought I was crazy because I was like second second year university. I was going into my third and you were like, are you are you crazy, Crystal? Like, what what, what are you doing? But well, your what, schedule is crazy to me. I couldn't write in the frenetic pace that you do. I, I'm too much. I'm too lazy, I think, to keep up with you. But but no, I, I didn't know. I, I thought you were crazy way before that, Crystal. Yeah. But I mean, there's a lot of things you do that I find crazy, but that's what I love about you. Because I'm a little bit yeah. crazy myself. And that's and now we're just here two crazy people together. Yeah, we're two crazy people that's gonna talk a lot of stuff. Like before we started recording, we were talking about how 
uh, Crystal misses uh, performance and she wants to go. She's she must be fucking losing her mind because she's she wants to go into wrestling as a writer, preferably. I mean, I've written wrestling shows before, but they're here in the UK. Uh, the company went under, so I never got to continue on. But I really want to get uh, do a little bit of time behind the scenes, behind the curtain writing. And I, you know, I for the right guy, if the right wrestler asked me, I would I would be a valet for a little bit, you know. But it would need to be the right person. Maybe I'm a little crazy on that. Well, the problem with that now is none of the boys want to pay anybody to tag along with them, to go with them to the ring. They're like, you know, I'm not cutting anybody else in there. Uh, you yeah, know, that's exactly. One thing, but... one thing I will say is, and, and I appreciate anybody out there, because I, I know I had the opportunity to do a little bit of everything but wrestle. I mean, from yeah. being a, a referee to a manager to an announcer. Really, I started out as an announcer, ring announcer, play-by-play. Um, I helped, you know, I guess, it, for lack of a better, I don't, I've never considered myself a booker, but I've helped format shows and put things together on the independent level contributed behind the scenes to some, some of the bigger companies uh, in North America. Um, But at the end of the day, what I've always said to everybody is everybody always has this, uh, I I don't know our obsession with wrestling. I think we've turned it into a feeder system for everyone that just wants to be discovered. And, Mm -hmm. and I think that's really oversaturated uh, not only the industry in terms of talent, but in terms of the market as a whole, yeah. And, and, and unfortunately, that's why the very talented people don't get discovered a lot of times, Crystal. So there may be the fact that you've been swimming in a lot bigger ocean than you realize because yeah. there's so many people out there. Let's face it. How many people do you know that say, I used to be a wrestler? And it's some oh, guy. I, I, I know a, a lot. Times, and then the, that's the circles I've been in. You know, like I wrote for one PW. I did. Um, I there was a three day show. I went down there. They paid me to go down there, Ryan. Like, and didn't tell me there was another writer dude there. But I went down. Uh, they paid my hotel room. They paid my travel. Uh, you know, and I was there. And unfortunately, I got heat on me with the the UK guys because I sat with the US guys the entire time. Doesn't you know? And I've said this on the podcast before, but I didn't sit with the UK boys because they kept calling me a ring rat. So you know, fuck you. I'm not going to do it. Um, but I sat with Rhino and, and I was with them guys for a while. And yeah, I mean, I, I miss it because I've done the La Pache. My dad's partner's gone. I don't want to have to train somebody else. I don't want to go back into dance because it's, it's, my style is brutal. It's, it's like wrestling. You've seen it. I mean, you've seen how brutal it is. Um, and I, you know, like the dream was it's not for discovery. I don't want to get discovered or any of that stuff. I just want to do it because I'm at that point in my life. I want to tick stuff off and almost kind of, it's like a fuck you to, to the dance industry as well, because so many dancers say, Oh my God, you can't do dance and wrestling. You cannot do it. It's not, you know, and they, they really drum that into a lot of their talent because they don't want dancers going off and becoming wrestlers. Because yeah, but you should, do it, you, you should do it out of passion, not out of spite, Crystal. You know, that's never a good thing. Focusing yeah, on but you know me. You but the know point me. Is, I am a spiteful person sometimes. You said the most important thing, though, when you talked about the one PW show. And this is where I really transitioned more on the business side of yeah. things. And I've told all the kids that I, I've worked with in the past few years in marketing and things that what I want them to understand is the most important thing you said is they paid me to come in there. After yeah. that, that's all I needed to know. I mean, because they paid, then you're yeah, in the they, they paid me to come in. They paid me to 
to help the boys because the Americans were useless with their schedules. Um, but so the bottom I, line is, you are in the business. That's the difference between I someone who one, says they're in the one business. Fucking if you're getting is not paid in the business. to be in the business, then you're get you're. Oh, that's what I'm saying. But there's a lot of volunteer people in wrestling that say yeah. that they're in wrestling. So I guess my point, what I'm trying to illustrate is, what's the definition? Is I'm in the business. To me, it was you're in the business if it pays your bills. That's what yeah. I always said. That if it's your main job, you're in the business. It was Otherwise, it's a hobby. Yeah. You know, and, and so, but again, I don't obsess over whether or not people think I'm in the business or not. And I think that's yeah. something that we've, we've made like a real, it's kind of this carrot we've dangled in front of people's faces. That's really irrelevant. The bottom line is, are you, are you getting in, are you getting satisfaction out of what you're doing and are you getting paid for it? And, and that, see, that's really all that matters in our industry or any industry really. Cause you, you've known me for years and I've, I've rolled <laughs> the line between being an author and being involved with wrestling because i did a lot of the wrestling romance stuff right you covered it you like this, yeah, this that's how i found you you know yeah this chick's crazy she's writing you know, i thought it was unique i, I always yeah. love people to come up with a different concept and that's what i did i said okay here's two billion dollar industries fuck it let's put them together see what happens um i think we can both agree that i am the hottest sex writer out there would would you safely say that when it comes to combining wrestling and sex well i know it makes my wife sweat when she reads yeah. it which is good for me um <clears throat> no i i a little bit too good for you actually let's be you let's know be honest. i i have read your stuff but but i have it doesn't quite have the same effect on me it seems to have on a lot of other people but i can see why i mean it's it, it's yeah. there's definitely so much passion in there and the work is just um, you know, I, I, I've always said, you can always tell when someone really believes in what they're doing, it comes through, especially in writing, it comes through in their yeah. words, And, and you definitely believe in it because you have a visceral effect on people with, with your words. I've seen it happen to my wife. I have male friends who have read your stuff and go, whew, that was pretty, that's pretty intense. You know, so it's <laughs> like, that takes a special skill. I can't do it. So, I mean, you know, all I can do is like tip my hat to that, but yeah. yeah that I mean, my, you, my you're, ultimate, on a, you're on a binge writing tour right now too, aren't you? Yeah, aren't you? I am actually, yeah. yeah. Um, and it, it's crazy because since I announced that I, I signed Waking Up His Wife as a film, I kind of, I'm not going to say who my co-writer is, but uh, I, I sent my co-writer something seriously hot. Like if you thought my work up to this point was hot, you should have seen this scene, right? I was like waiting for some sort of response from him. And it was, it was purely my ego, right? Purely my ego. I wanted to see if I could affect him the same way I affect others. I got nothing. He deadpanned me entirely. The director wrote me back and went, that shit's so fucking hot. I can't use it. And I was like, okay, so I need to like tone it down a bit, you know? But, you never know. You may be you may be working on the a, a, a much better and more artistic version of fifty. Oh yeah, no, I do because the great thing about who I'm writing with is he tones me down. You know, he um, reins me in is a good way of putting it. He reins me in, and it was the same with Joe. Joe spent most of our career when we worked together, and we're still working together. He reins me in because I go too far. I, I have that very Russo-y effect. Well, that's what I always used to say about my, my business partner, Michael Melkor, when we were running the gorilla position. I, I said, I come up with the ideas and then Mike comes along and takes out all, all the fucks and shits. 
you know, he cleaned it up. You know, like he he takes whatever my idea is and kind of edits it. I I would love I would love Mike to kind of weigh in at some point on the whole wrestling erotica and wrestling romance stuff because I'd love to hear his opinion. He's never told me his opinion. I'd love to hear it. He's producing a show. Uh, he's left. He left OVW after four over four years, I think. Um, and just to kind of branch out and do some different stuff. He he's kind of uh, you know, there's no hard feelings or anything there. But I think he felt like I've just kind of been doing the same thing so long, and I got some opportunities, sort of like I have been doing now, branching away from pro wrestling and going into pop culture writing and mainstream sports and stuff like that. Because I think it, you always want to grow or you're you're dying, as the old expression yeah. says. Um, and, and with him, you know, producing the show and having pretty much creative control of one show in Louisville and then being the executive producer of the other one. And then on top of it, he has a, a full-time job, you know, in the real world, as we like to call it. Um, you know, and, and it's, um, but it's amazing. I mean, it's amazing to see a guy who, who not too long ago, I can remember a few years ago, thought I was crazy when I called him up and said, Hey, let's start a website. And now, exactly. now he's he's more he's more invested in the business. He's more he's more grandfathered into the business than I am now. Eight years later, however many years later it's been, you know. So it's funny though, but it's it's one of those things, and and it's all one of the reasons why I'm glad to be here with you. And you said exactly. I, I thought you were, were crazy. Like, I didn't yeah. think you were crazy. I've been lucky to attach myself to people like you and Mike. Yeah. But I've got to watch grow and develop into these amazing creators. However, Mike has been dodging me for a number of years. So I'm going to have to like. He's my best friend and he dodges me. We just were joking about we used to talk every day when we had a business together. Now it's like once a month or so. But it's really it's more of a schedule thing with him. It's nuts. His life is. I don't know how he does it. Between that, pursuing his master's. uh, He has a wife and a family. The two wrestling shows. And a full time, and he's an executive, I believe, at his company in in Louisville there. So, or, or he's a, got a high ranking position there. We're, I'm not we're sure putting him over a little bit. I, I, I'm, I'm calling him out a little bit. A lot. He's like brother over, to yeah. me, man. I, I will yeah. put over Melkor till the end of time. He's a genius, yeah. man. Love him. So, and, and, and it, to me, it's like crazy because now I'm evolving, kind of out of the books. I'm back on tour, which I never thought I'd do. Uh, so I'm going back on tour. I've been teaching in colleges about psychology, character psychology, um, the creative industry. And it it feels like I'm getting my dues now. Like I've paid all my dues and I'm getting like receipts for it. Like, you know, people are actually happy to have me back. Um, so, yeah. And, and, and that's what you were saying. Like we all have to evolve. We all have to move up. And you can't, you know, you have to always keep climbing, keep climbing, keep climbing. And I feel like with the film that I'm doing and the books that I'm doing, I am pushing the boundaries even further now than, than what I've been doing. Well, there are some people when I was younger that would think that if, if they'd seen my name in the newspaper or Googled it a lot, that it would be for nefarious reasons, probably when I was younger. Same, but, same, you know, yeah. um, but, you know, now it's funny, you go, I go back home and and, you know, I like, for example, now my book is going to be in the library there, you know, yeah, when, you know, one of the library contacted me about putting my book there, you know, and that, that's nuts, you know, to think about that. It's like, uh, hey, I'm not a screw up anymore. 
You know what I mean? You get to a certain point in your life. And and by the way, I will mention my book since we're since I'm putting everybody else over, damn it. We need to put um, you over. So I'm yeah. like that was my lead in too, right? Tell us about I know, but then we started visiting and this is why the phone calls last forever. See? This is yeah. it. Segue. The audience is probably totally lost right now. Like, no, no, my two? audience is used to this. Like they know that I throw out crazy shitty stories at random times. Um, and I'm, I'm sure that we'll, we'll do that at some point. Um, My kids know I do it. Yeah, they get tired of it. To be <laughs> I, I dread the day that my kids come around because they're going to be like, mom, you were like this old time dancer, you know, like I, I know when my kids come around, I'm, I'm going to be screwed because I'm going to nope. be ancient. My kids are blown away that I actually used to be cool. Like when they hear from my friend, they don't believe it. My friends are like, oh yeah, your dad used to be, no, yeah. that guy? No. Yeah. So tell us about your book, and then I'm going to pin you down on some topics that have never been discussed on this show, and you're the only person brave enough to do it. So, I, Brave or stupid, one of the two. Um, you're brave, you're brave. But, but uh, no, my book is called, uh, I, I, as you said, I, I spent a lot, of, I started out in sports radio, moved to mm-hmm. becoming a writer. I actually, I really honestly thought I was going to, now I'm picking up your accent. I almost said, actually. Uh, but, but, everybody says i have an american accent i don't i have a scottish accent but no i know i know because when i get off the phone with you i i pick up a little bit i pick up everybody canada that the western canadian people get me every time but um but now i'm completely off again. Um, <laughs> yeah. you get me all the time like this um no I everybody do. knows my background in sports and then of course I, I was involved since I was basically a teenager with wrestling and, and kind of used writing and wrestling. Same thing. I kind of married those two things at, at one point. But really what I found out is what I, I've written a syndicated column. I've done feature stories in magazines. Really what I like writing about is just goofy shit. That's why I mean. Wrestling's kind of goofy. Sports can be good. I like stuff that I find whimsical. So I, yes. I decided I wanted to do kind of a observational humor pop culture book uh and i i called it pop music and peanut butter and it's basically based on generation x i was born in 1975 i i grew up in the electric 80s and i came of age in the alternative 90s and and so i in my mind i got to grow up in the greatest era ever you did and so but there were so many funny quirky things about it in my life now in my day-to-day life that i see are relative to how I grew up and the era I grew up in. Um, yeah. And so I kind of put that in the book and I always say, these are the little silly moments and it's not just geared to people that are 30, 40, 50 that were born in those, in that era, but because it's all stuff we can relate to it, it whether it's like, I've always said it, whether it's like the first time you go on a date or mm-hmm. when you finally graduate high school or uh, you know, the first time somebody really close to you dies. I mean, we have all those yeah. things in common, but there's also funny moments that come along with those two. There's quirky little silly things that sometimes we don't even, there's stupid things I've thought about at somebody's funeral that I think to myself, why did that just pop in my head? This yeah, I, I do that all the time. Life. Yeah. I'm and those are the things I want to, yeah. I like to write about the stuff that yeah. we don't always talk about, but we can all go, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. You know? And and that's why I'm I'm in my writing as of now, starting off, I'm going to focus on those type, types of things. And and um, I especially want to focus on how moments in time, my next series of books is going to be focusing on uh, moments in my life growing up in Generation X and how they all tied together. For example, um, one of the very first chapters in the second book is it, it discusses the song Right Here, Right Now yeah. and how it's so tied into the fall of the Berlin Wall. 
And that yeah. moment happened when I was in high school. So when I hear that yeah. song, I see that image. And, and I think that that's how our lives go. I think those yeah, times, is, yeah. whether it's a song or a movie or a sound or an image or a quote, there's something that just freezes that moment in time perfectly. Yeah. And, I'll, I'll and, never... that, and those moments have a million stories around them. Yeah. Like one of, one of the moments that I'll never forget was I had literally just watched um, a Raven DVD with, with Derek and, and the guys and there was just this moment where he goes why me you know what about me what about raven and it just like it was there in my head and then kayla or you know chrissy turned to me and she went you're you're going to be a dancer with us and i went why and then i i repeated his line back because in my head i'm like why me <laughs> yeah like what the hell? And isn't and, it weird though how you frame yeah. that moment that didn't have really anything to do with your life no. with a time in your life? That's yeah. that's pop. That's music. why I like your stuff because you you know like I mean there's been so many moments like the first fight I ever got in I used Rhino's gore to protect <laughs> myself. Like that was my first fight. I had literally just watched Rhino gore somebody the night before, and this guy was like. 5'8", he was, he, he was like four times the size of me. He was from Wales. He didn't give a crap that I was a girl. He was going to beat me up. And all I, all I had was like two seconds to decide what I was going to do. And I gored him into the wall. And well, that was the moment that changed my <laughs> life. Because then everybody realized I could fight. I could fight and I wasn't scared to fight. Um, and I, 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 I said that to Rhino when I met him. I'm like, if if I had not seen your shit, I would have gotten my ass kicked that day. Uh, nope. You know, the first time I ever got in a fight, I just watched that movie Beat Street, and yeah. that's when I found out if you try to break dance your way out of a confrontation, you'll get your ass kicked. Yep. So that doesn't work. Don't no. do that. And no, also Bruce Lee movies, avoid those. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. So because that shit doesn't work. No, but that's what I'm saying. Those funny moments in life like that that you remember and you think, how did that tie in? And I'm kidding about the breakdancing thing, of course. But that's that is something I would joke about in the book, you know, because yeah. that's something I would think as a kid watching a Bruce Lee movie. Oh, I could do that. You know, you yeah. know, but because all kids do. All kids when I was a kid had tried the thing where they tried to turn mom's bath towel into a Superman cape. Let's just be honest. We all did it. We all mm -hmm. did it. Everybody that's ever been in a hot tub likes to set up in, in where the jets are and let the bubble shoot up your butt. Everybody's done that at least once in their life. Yeah. Admit it. Everybody's yeah. danced around the house naked when nobody's home. You've all yeah. done it. And it's going to be in those books. So read my books and I'm going to talk about you, but I'm also talking about me because I did it. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you there's got... my selling point. Yeah, like um, your books is 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 exciting, and I like it because here's two people that were mad about wrestling, who've evolved from it, and who's like pushing the envelope to get other people's attention. First of all, I wasn't mad. You you were mad. I, I was just, not mad. I was, no, I was mildly perturbed. <laughs> no, I'm not. I love wrestling. I still yeah. love wrestling. I just I, I really, it wasn't. I wasn't mad about. I was getting bored. Honest yeah. to God, that was more than anything. I, I hate to give the, the Hulk Hogan speech. I'm bored, brother. It's not yeah. that I, I don't like wrestling. It's just it got – I'm just going to say it. I don't give a fuck who likes it or not. Excuse me. I don't no, care who likes it or not. Square, yeah. it, you know, it, it, here's what it's come down to. 
the same conversations over and over and over and over again in the monotony and the redundancy of it all in the internet wrestling community. I do. I just posted online. I don't give a fuck who's on your Mount Rushmore of anything. I really don't. And neither does anybody else. And you don't care what's on mine. It's no. just mindless dribble. It's, it's, it's like asking somebody, how's the weather? You know, I, can we not Segway challenge ourselves at some point? Because if we can't, if they don't want to think any deeper about anything, then I'll just move on and do something else. And that's the and way I'm I look gonna, at I'm it. Gonna so you on this, I'm going to put you on the spot because everyone knows I was a Russo girl. Okay. I'm not ever going to hide that. I, I learned a lot of my skills. Yeah, watch how many people you say that. <laughs> but, no, well, it's true. I mean, come on. Russo has I'm even kidding. said I like Vince. I, you know? I know everybody hates him. I like him personally, so I don't, I I mean, I don't know him. I liked him until he was well, sexist but... to me, and then I was done. Okay? Like, as soon as things got weird between us, because I had a different viewpoint, and he wanted me to go a different way, that was when we split. But here's, and he will not have me on his show, by the way, which I think is hilarious. But anyway. Which show? He's got like 9 million of them. <laughs> I wrote for I mean, like I said, this is another person that I, I, I like, I kid about Russo. I, mm-hmm. I've met him a couple times. He was really super nice. He's the nice. nicest guy. Everybody Until I know that his friends with him loves him. And, and I don't take sides in this shit because, quite frankly, I don't care if you like Cornette or you like Russo. I, really I don't, don't. Get, I don't care about any of them. I'm sorry. Right. I mean, I'm gonna it's just not say that, that I don't care about them. I enjoy, I enjoy things that both of them have done. I like some of what Russo's done. I like some of what Cornette's well, I don't know what done. Russo did I don't think either one of them is Jesus. That's just no. the point I'm trying to make. They're not my yeah. wrestling daddy. So I no. just, you know, I don't have to, I don't hero worship anybody except no. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat because he deserves it. Uh, I used to hero worship. Um, you know who my hero was. Like it all. It was me. I knew it the whole time. <laughs> but, I knew it. Um, no, I have a hero, and okay, okay, fine. I'll admit it. I'll admit who it is because at the end of the day, I'm sure he's aware of it. But I used to hero worship Raven because, to me, he was the smartest guy in the business. He was the most misunderstood guy in the business, and he tied into my life because I was a girl in a dance scene where I was the smartest person in the room, nobody wanted to listen to me, and I went down a dark path. Like, if I'm being honest, it was like I was just living kind of his his path, but in dancing, right? Um, I was maybe a little bit more sensible in some things that I did. But, you know, that was the thing. And I, I did look up to him growing up in that way. And because I looked up to him, I did want to go and study writing wrestling because I knew characters. I knew how to build characters and knew how to make characters work. And the only two people that I had ever heard were any good at that was Russo and him. And I knew working with him would be, like, impossible. So I went and I studied under Russo. And I... But what a lot of things that Russo's done doesn't make sense. I feel like he does need a team with him. And when he set up his website and he got a team, and he was he did really, really well. But when a lot of that team left, I felt like a lot of what he did didn't make sense. And And I told him that. I told him that to his face. But at the end of the day, we're putting you on the spot. You've got to tell this audience... From the fact that you spent your life in wrestling, and you spent a lot of time around it, 
and you've you've given my stuff, I believe, to a few wrestlers, right? Mm-hmm. What's been the because they won't tell me, you know, because I'm not in the business. So give me what they've honestly thought about what we what I've done. Because I when know I, that there's some guys that gave me stick about it. I answered your question earlier because it's not redundant. It's not the same thing. They're not used to it. And again, my stuff, I just brought this up and, and I and I want to apologize if Wade saw this because I know he's on my, my Facebook page. I posted something that Wade Keller had up this week that was, to me, was an example of the internet wrestling community. Yeah. This might happen maybe if possibly whenever. Now let's retweet it 57,000 times. I wrote that story a few years ago with Allie where she broke down in tears while we were doing the interview. And I put, yeah. and I broke down in tears right in this story and maybe 10,000 people wrote it. And it was a deep, deep moving story that helped some people who yeah. suffered from depression because she, she openly talked about it and it opened their eyes. And then she did Dave Penzer's show and he helped get the word out on it. And Dave did a great job with that too. You know, that was meaningful to me. That meant something. That was an important yeah. thing I did in my life. And it yeah. wasn't about retweets. No. But I understand wrestling is a business and it's mm-hmm. it's cold-blooded at times and everything else. And people are going to go with what works. They're going to mm-hmm. go with what they know. So my way is not their way. And that's fine. So maybe yeah. I got to branch out and do something else. And if wrestling wants me, they'll find me. If not... Yeah. I'll be somewhere else swimming on another side of the pool. And and that's that is to me the greatest perspective I can give anybody because you, we were talking about heroes earlier. Here's how I put wrestling in perspective. My hero is a guy that lives about a block away and I'm going to be spending his day with him tomorrow on Father's yeah. Day. I don't know when this drops, but on Father's yeah, Day, be I'll be hanging out with my hero. Yeah. That's my perspective on life and on wrestling. There is nothing in it or about it that changes who I am as a man. And that, and that is where I draw the line. And if that keeps me from being successful or wealthy or cool to people, I don't give a fuck. But then that's not answering my question. What do you think that the wrestlers themselves think of the fact that I took it into erotica, that I use their own sexual tendencies to heighten emotions in the female audience to bring, you know, to the, the female readers to bring them to the wrestling business. Well, so first of all, you're, you're giving pro wrestlers a lot more credit for being, you know, that deep of thinkers because I got news for no, you. Dealing with I, I, I will come years. on this show right here, right now and claim the person that realized his sex worked was Raven. No, oh, you know, I'm, I, there are guys who get it, but Raven's a lot more, I mean, granted, this guy overblows his intellect. He's sometimes not, think, he doesn't overblow it. No, but, but, but he is very life. intelligent. He is yeah. very intelligent. Let's be honest. And he's a very articulate guy. So I can understand he gets the psychology of wrestling, but you're talking about a, a very, especially considering how oversaturated the, mm-hmm. the business is now. And there's so many damn people in it that don't have a clue how to lock up, let alone how to think that deeply in terms of storytelling that I'm sure most of it goes over a lot, a lot of people, it goes over their head, Chris. So you have to understand that you're thinking on a plane, uh, you know, you're playing four dimensional chess at that point. And, yeah. and there's a lot of people that aren't past two. And, okay, and, and well, that's, just, I'll, that's, I'll that's, just, sorry, that's just the reality of wrestling. Yeah. So you but have there's, to, there's another you have guy. To dumb there... some stuff down once in a while, yeah, especially okay. for the audience. 
yeah, plot <laughs> saying that, there is a current hot young guy that is really pushing himself. And he knows he has a sexual connection with the female audience, and that's Adam Cole. And he uses that. And people do not give him credit for that, but he uses his sexual, like his sexual powers, is always, is a good way of putting it. But there's a lot of the female audience in AEW that look at Adam Cole and go, "Holy fuck!" And he, but you knows can be, it. but he has the vibe. There yeah. are certain people, and this is a. I, now I feel like I'm giving life lessons. Have you well, not you have ever to. met? That's the whole have point you, of this show. It's bouquet Have you life, ever so met somebody? I'm going to make this point because I've said this to people before and they think I'm crazy until I illustrate it. Have you ever met somebody that you didn't necessarily go into them, meeting them, where they're attractive or whatever? Or have you ever met somebody right off the bat and physically had a reaction to them? Like I met a girl one time and I knew we were going to, I mean, within five seconds, we knew we were going to have sex. It was just like, Mm -hmm. there's just that thing, you know? And it wasn't, and it wasn't, and I'm not trying to brag. I'm not like saying, oh, I'm a big set. It was just like, I never had that happen, but it was like, somebody just Mm -hmm. flipped a switch when I saw her and she saw me. And we even said it later. Like, I've never done that before. I've never done that before. Yeah. But there are certain people who give off what I call the sex vibe. Adam Cole, I guess, gives off the sex vibe to a lot of people. Uh, you know, um, the reason is Mandy Rose he's, he's is a, so over with everybody. Guy, so. Mandy Rose, besides being good looking, gives off the nope. sex vibe. There are I'm unattractive sorry. people that give I, off the I sex don't feel, vibe. I don't feel it from her. Well, I'm a I guy really and I'm telling you. <laughs> She's got I something. I don't get it. To me, she's but, just. But there are just. But there are. But you don't have to. No, it, I don't. Maybe have that's to. the point. I don't. I don't necessarily. I don't want to sleep with Adam Cole, but I get that he's got something. Yeah. That appeals. Yeah. He's got a a charisma. Something. He's got a swagger. Just the right kind of swagger that yeah. fits. That makes him. He gives him sex appeal, and that works. Right. For I him. just want to make. But this you clear. have to have that. You can't me- yeah. you can't write that into somebody. They have no. to have that naturally. Well, no, there is ways of training people to have it. Dick, Dennis Rodman is an ugly motherfucker, but he's got a sex vibe. Mm, no. Come on, you know Dennis Rodman no, fucked the shit out of somebody. I don't. I don't think he does. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I I, I'm pretty sure he does based on I went If he came report. up to me, I would turn him down. I'm sorry, okay? I and I, I, okay, I'm not 100%. saying you wouldn't. Do, I'm saying, but if you no, did okay, do it, if I was single. Would if I was be single, and fucking wild business, ass. I would yeah. turn him down. I'm sorry, he's not my. He's not deep enough for me. I can tell but, the shallow guys from the guys that actually have something going but on in their heads. He's got a sex vibe, which is why Carmen Electra and Madonna and all yeah, these I people suppose. are drawn to them. I mean, I'll, look, I'll some you, of these I'll models and. Some of these Paris models in France are supposed to be the epitome of beauty, and they are not sexy at all. No. They have no well, sexy. Well, I mean, you've seen me, and apparently no I'm sexy, sexy, and I don't think I am. You're sexy, and you know it. Is that? No, I should, don't. We should write that down. No, no I don't. <laughs> like this, I don't get this, right? Okay? So I'll, I'll hold up my hands and say, I have been to wrestling shows, and I have had people come up to me later and say, you know you're a pocket rocket? And for the longest time, I didn't know what that meant, right? I asked you what that meant, and you had to explain it to me, right? Oh, oh, I remember. Right? Oh my god, yeah, that's an old, that's an old, that's kind yeah, of a good. But that's like here's a the thing: I didn't know what it meant, so I was just doing my job. And yes, I did get propositioned. I turned the guy down. I've had really decent looking guys, 
but I never got chatted up till I started going around the wrestling business because I'm not sexy in Scotland. I'm not got that appeal. If I go to the States, maybe, but I don't get chatted up. I'm I'm the last girl any guy notices in a bar. Always. Always. In the States, you would have an appeal because you're you're from another country. You have an accent. Yeah, that's the guys, only reason. Guys from the United States, something about women with accents, they automatically Yeah, but think, that, oh, that would be the only appeal to me. I do not have that quote-unquote sexy face or sexy body, It it unless you like them ramrod skinny and full of attitude, which is me. Or as a, as a friend of mine once said, there's something about foreign women. It's like forbidden pussy. <laughs> I don't know what that meant. But it was funny. I know what that means. Oh my gosh. But remember that conversation where you had to say to me, because I came to you and I said, oh, look, a wrestler said to me, I'm a pocket rocket. What the fuck does that mean? And you're yeah. like, uh, Crystal, we need to have a conversation. <laughs> and you phoned me and you explained it to me over two hours. Because I Yeah, but you were one of my many, as I, I, I call you guys Ryan's children, you were one of my many younger writers and creators out there and people that I've, I've been lucky enough to get to know that I just feel like I have to kind of look out for once in a while. Just once yeah. I got to check in with you kids and make sure, listen, it's Uncle Ryan calling. Is, are you okay? Because <laughs> I disappear. I'm really good are at you that. Eating? Are you eating good or what? You know, that that kind of stuff. And it, it is sort of, but I kind of relish that role to the guys that I that worked for me before they called yeah. me Papa Bear. And for a long time that bothered me because I was like, I'm not really that responsible. I, I call Joe. Just, <laughs> yeah, Joe's like Father Joe to me. And I think it annoys him. Joe so, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I've still never met Joe or talked to him. I don't think well, I've ever. I, he has been wanting days, to talk maybe, to you. So, you know. Maybe the red shirt up. days when he was down at, in Nashville, I might have ran into him back then. But God. It seemed like oh, I he ran was, into he everybody. Was at, he was pissed in uh, in TNA. He really he had a hard time in TNA. You have to um, ask Joe if he was down there the night that Punk got his ass kicked by Teddy Hart because I was there. Yeah, that that was Joe my was first there. night at TNA was when that happened. That yeah, that Joe Joe told me that that story. Yeah, um, the White Crash Cafe. <laughs> yeah, but I I laughed because as I said, like I wasn't used to male attention until I came around the wrestling business. And I think that's maybe why I keep going back to the wrestling business because I keep thinking, you know, um, maybe I've lost it. Maybe I've lost that look. Maybe I've lost a step or whatever. And then I phone you and you're like, are you shitting me? I've seen your TikToks. I've seen your Instagram. Crystal, you've been dumb. Like how many times have you had to say that to me? Like, cause I said to you, when I go to the film set to do waking, I don't feel like I'm going to fit it. And what was the first thing you said to me? Can you remember? Who gives a fuck? <laughs> yeah, I mean, seriously, I would. I, I'm. I don't know. I don't remember. My advice would be now. Who gives a fuck? Yeah, well, you. You said to me, you were like, Crystal, you're in shape. You know, it doesn't matter. You're around a bunch of wrestlers or not. If you're around a bunch of actors or not, your personality. <laughs> That's what you said to me. Yeah. You know, I, I would tell everybody advice. in the world stop being self conscious. Because yeah. we're all fucked up. I mean, I, honestly, even the most beautiful, perfect people you see, I know I'm around them all the time. I've gotten to deal with some of the people in wrestling that you think are so well-adjusted and they have it so perfect and such great lives. And then I talk to them and I get to know them personally. And it's like, wow, I'm so glad I'm not you. You know, and that's yeah. that's sad to say. I mean, I and I would never say anybody's names or anything. No, because, not. And that's one of the reasons people do talk to me about personal stuff. Um, and I'm the same. Because I'm I don't the same. repeat it. You know, and, and, but at the sad part of it is you almost, 
kind of, there are some people that I've wanted to make things public to try to help them, but you yeah. just, you can't break that code, you know, no. there's a and couple it, people that I, was, I would have now that are gone, you know, yeah, but like one of the things that I had to, to kind of learn was <laughs> I had a code in dance, which was very similar to how the code is in wrestling. Oh, and by the way, um, going back to what we said before, I said Punk got his ass whipped. And before anybody tweets or says something, I know he got hit twice. I was at the other place across the way when it happened, and everybody ran over and told us about it. I know he didn't actually get his ass kicked, and Teddy hit him a couple times, and Sabu broke up. The trust, fight. Me, trust, trust me, like, there's, there's, you know, with what Punk's doing right now, this isn't even going to hit his register, to be honest. Oh, I was, well, no, I was just going to say, I, no, I, more than anything, I was just pissed I didn't get to see it because I wasn't over there when it happened. <laughs> I don't know. I don't care. I mean, I don't have anything against Phil. I mean, you know, he's not, I, whatever he does, whatever he wants to do. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's do, on him. Do you know, it's if his I, career. If I'm being 100% honest with you, I really wish that I could have seen Punk and Raven's whole feud. I wanted to see it live. I've only ever seen the videos of it. I wish I'd seen it live, but here's my thing. I see Punk. I see so much Raven in him. Yeah, and I know Raven had a lot to do with the way that he turned out, whether oh, like whether Punk admits it or not. Yeah, Raven sitting down in the, the ring, and he's successful. Yeah, a lot of his stuff. I see a lot of Scotty stuff in him. That sitting yeah. down when he did the pipe bombs and stuff. If they had let, if they had let Scott do that in WCW, it, he would have been a much. If they would have just given him something like they did with Punk in WWE. Raven would have been a lot, lot bigger character. He was already, Cute. I got to admit, and I know you talked this, you talked to him quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. It's, it's stunning that he was even able to get as over as he did with as many people as he had ahead of him in WCW. He, the he, he really he got over it. And I, I stress this, a lot with that character. Yeah. And I stress this a lot. And this is the reason he got over with the dancers and he never knew the influence he was having on the Apache scene. And he, I don't think he really understands it now. But he was believable, right? Point one, he was believable because he was pulling from his darker elements of his his personality. He had natural charisma. There's no way you can meet Scott and, or Raven, sorry. There's no way you can meet Raven. Yeah, and, and I not do that to him too. I hate when I, I do that by accident sometimes. Yeah. And, I, and then there's yeah. other people I've known him 25 years and I don't even know their real first name. And I yeah. don't even know him. And I just dropped a Scotty earlier on him, so. Oh, no, no, you, you'll be fine. I'm still um, used to hearing other people, when you hear other yeah. people talk about somebody and you pick well, up on I'm, it. The, the way that I work is until he tells me, <clears throat> you don't need to call me my, my ring name, I will call him his ring name till I, I earn that place for him to then call ask me to call him his name. But that is old school dancer thought. Like, I let him call me Crystal, even though if it had started off being in that dance scene, he would have had to, I would have had to at some point say, look, you're supposed to call me Marie till I tell you, you know, but it doesn't work like that when you're going into wrestling. So he knows me as Crystal. That's fine. I don't mind, but I still call him Raven until he tells me otherwise. But to me, Scott's got, he's got a mag, a magnetic aura that attracts people to him. He's got right? a sex vibe. It's not just a sex vibe, okay? But I'm not he, when I say I, sex vibe. I'm being silly when I say it. I'm saying yeah. there's a something that attracts. There are certain people that have, and I'm not just talking about physically. It's it's there's a personality thing. There's he a has persona. That, a there's magnetic. It's personality. the whole package that draws people in. They're interesting. 
They're interesting people He's and you want to get close to them. And people that you get close to, you sometimes end up having sex with. So those people will also have a sex <laughs> That's vibe. never happening. That's what I'm saying. I mean, they they attract everyone, so they kind of have their pick of what they want out of mm-hmm. the population, essentially, is what I'm trying to say. I yeah. want to be at this party, so I'm just going to go because they will they they want me there. Or I want this job, and I'm going to get it because they're going to love me. And yeah, that's I mean, those people typically walk between the raindrops. In life. And here, here's something that I think a lot of the listeners know this, but when I worked with Derek, he tried to emulate Raven all the time, right? So I, I was that. his, I was his puppet. You know, that was my whole part of the thing was I was puppet, I was obsessive, I was, I was crazy, and you know, he would, he would be the one dragging me around. But the only reason Derek ever got laid was because he mimicked everything Raven did. And I can tell you, Derek used to get laid by at least two different girls a day. A day. Okay, the amount of dance battles I called over the top of a naked chick while he was banging her was ridiculous. But I got used to it. And it was just like, alright, okay. uh, Cool, who's this? Alright, cool. This is what we're doing tonight. That was just the way he was. To me, you could put Raven in any company in the world, and as long as you give him freedom to do his creative thing, he's money. And that might get me heat with Bischoff. Sorry, Bischoff, but you're wrong. You just didn't know how to use him. And if you had actually been able to think outside the box, you would have had a success. He could have been a top guy, and he could have made you money. End of. Eric is a fascinating character in wrestling. Or, uh, I've met him a couple times. Yeah, I, I've interviewed Eric. I like him. I mean, he's he's very very interesting, very intelligent guy. Uh, he is intelligent. He, he, he just doesn't think he outside the box. The TV industry quite a bit. Uh, I, I don't mm-hmm. I don't know. <clears throat> he talks a lot, like he understands wrestling, and he's been around wrestling, and he's been yeah. very successful in wrestling. But then there's some points that he makes sometimes, and I think. That you had to just pull that out of your ass, or you're trying to be controversial, or something, because it it'll be so rational and reasonable, and then make a point that just, you know. But I again, and I and I like Conrad a lot, and I he really helped me a lot actually when I first started my website, and um, yeah. so I always try to keep up with the shows. But there's just so many podcasts now, and 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 that's another thing I think it's hard to judge these guys based on what they say on their shows because, um. It's personas it's and characters. Be, yeah, it's become a battle to be outlandish. It's just, now, it's just you another know. outlet to for me, them to be personas and characters. Going back, going back to what we were talking about earlier, I think probably the best show out there hosted by a wrestler, and, and because it ties in so much of what we talked about and how I think the industry's moving more away from, oh, it's all about the wrestling, too. It's all about the culture of wrestling and, and their lives and, and their takes on other things. I think Kevin Nash's podcast is the very best one out there right now. I've not I think listened he's to it. It is, I it is terrific. I haven't listened to it. And Sean is, I mean, let's be honest, his co-host is one of the guys mainly responsible for shoot the whole shoot interviews and, and really the movement towards the podcasting thing started with yeah. the guys like Sean Oliver and, and even, you know, even though Rob well, Feinstein, no, I, I, I would, I would argue against stuff. you on that one. I, I would say. Sean Oliver is, is probably, he is fantastic. He, he is. is. He is I'm, really not, I'm not saying he isn't. 
but the person that led the way in the podcasting thing never gets an ounce of credit and it really annoys me shane house was the first person that started doing live shows with a studio audience i know i was in the audience and he put me over a couple of times but he used to run a show when he was you know just before his bike accident and he would drink shots of vodka on the show and he would he would talk with the fans right he was the first major movement I ever saw in that area towards podcasting. And I'm the sorry, first, he, he deserves a shit ton of credit for that. The first ones I can remember, <clears throat> and this is the truth, and I'm not, I'm not trying to discredit what you're saying because this was yeah. so obscure. I don't know if I could even find it. I'd love to find it. And if somebody out there, I'm mm-hmm. sure if you're a hardcore wrestling fan that was as old as I am, yeah. in the late 90s, somebody was doing like shoot interviews online. And, you know, that was mm-hmm. when you rarely even lit, you know, you know how the internet in the oh, late God, 90s. Oh, God, yeah. There was no real video up. viewing and downloading a picture would take, you know, a, a minute and a half just to get a picture to come yeah, up. Yeah, I was on dial-up too, so I remember right. those days. So you didn't have like video streaming and things like that. But there were some really early incarnations of internet radio. And, you know, WCW and WWE both tried that too. But there was a Wasn't guy. Was ECW doing it? Like they had their own version yeah. of like oh, a yeah. call-in show or something. WWE was doing broadcasts of events on radio, yeah, and were, and yeah. then and then putting that later on the internet, and that's kind of, and you know, at the time you got to remember, ninety-five, they're on the Today Show on NBC yeah. asking what the at in at means in in somebody's email address, and they were like, "Is mm-hmm. that at or around?" You know, they didn't know what WWW meant. You know, at that point in the mid '90s, and just five, six years later, the internet ruled the world. You yeah, know, exactly. and so I think if you look at that time, there was some early attempts in that late '90s to do shoots, but so many people were so afraid they would never get a job again that they yeah, didn't want to do it. Yeah. And, but like one of the first ones I remember that was a long way to me get this was Tom Zink did one. In about 98 or 99, and he went over and talked about all the sex stuff I, they were doing. Yeah, I think I remember seeing this, yeah. And it or was, well, you only hear it. Yeah, it was on yeah, just a like, audio. Yeah, it was, it was something on YouTube or something like that. Like, And God it was ago, the yeah. first time I really ever remember one of the boys coming out and saying yeah. it, especially online. I'd never heard like a live interview, yeah. but I had never heard one of the boys come out and and talk like that and then that to me was i was like oh my god everybody should hear this and of course it was the same thing as people exposing the business before with the tape you know that when they were going to do the thing i guess it was bob mm-hmm. roop and those guys and and the fall guys book from back in the 20s or 30s whatever well, there's remember, always been that exposure but that was the first time online i ever saw yeah, it, you know i like remember that. 2001 i was i was debuting in the dance scene for the first time and because there was a reputation going around about sex and about wrestlers and how they would sleep with women and then never phone them or be around them, we had rules that you could never date a wrestler, you couldn't sleep with a wrestler. These became our life rules, right? And I have stuck to them. Still to this day, I have stuck. I've never been on a date with a wrestler. I've never slept with a wrestler. I've never done anything that's related to a performer and i remember that because at that time these videos were coming out from like wwe or wwf at the time we were getting wwf videos we were getting ecw videos 
And it, that was because remember the first time I talked to you, I said, I have five rules. I don't have anything to do with anybody that's involved with wrestling in a romantic way. And you laughed at me because I think you honestly thought, well, that's not going to last. And it has, like, I, I've been to shows and I've done it and I, I've never, none of the guys could safely say that I have had any, any inappropriate interactions with them or any romantic interactions with them. Despite, despite there is a story going around that I slept with the one PW heavyweight champion, which is not true. He came to my room and I knocked him down. I knocked him back, but you know, he well, likes to tell everyone that something happened. If they instituted that policy in America, I don't think there'd be any female wrestlers here because I'm pretty sure every yeah. promoter or every guy that ever broke a girl into the business, it was because they were dating them or wanted to date them you know, or whatever, do whatever with them. And um, that's unfortunate because you've seen that a lot, I think, in the especially the early 2000s, the late 90s when the business got really big and, and yeah. it really where that started. And it's not her fault, but when Sonny became such a big star as yeah. a valet and, and I mean, not just a star in wrestling. I mean, she was a, a, a internet sensation. Yeah. She was, uh, the kind of the blueprint for what every girl that followed her sort of wanted to be. They wanted to be, yes, they wanted to be considered tough and, and part of the wrestling business, but they wanted to also be that model that transcended the business. And we've had a lot of that happen. I mean, all mm -hmm. the way up to the playboy spreads and all that stuff, but yeah. it really, that really changed not only women's perspective on the business, um, but what guys could dangle over their head to get them see that to none promise of, them to get them yeah. to do things. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I've had the promises from the boys before, but to me, it was always like, I'm going to, if I get into the business, if I do the valet gig, I'm doing it because it's a friend that I'm doing it with. And two, you're going to fucking pay me. Right. That was always my rules. And when I was in the dance scene, I couldn't go into wrestling because I would have lost my job in dancing. And I think that's where a lot of people don't realize is I was setting up dance programs for kids that had nowhere to go. I had a lot to lose if I ever got caught at a wrestling show. If I'd gotten caught by a dance fan at a wrestling show, I'd have been done. I'd have been done. So I had to be so careful. And then when I did go to 1PW, there was a small group of people who knew me in England, found out I'd been at a wrestling show, that I'd been paid to be there. And they were pissed because they felt like I betrayed the dance industry by going and doing it. So I did take flack for that. Like, I took online flack for it. I got tweeted by one of the companies in London that said, sell out, you know, that was all they said, was sell out, because they knew I'd be, and they knew I'd done it. Even though I was not on camera, they knew I'd done it. So now I don't care. But, yeah, I mean, would I, I, I would valet for Joe, because I like Joe, and, you know, I have a really close friendship with Joe. But I would be super careful if I if I did anything with anyone, who it would be with, and I would want to know what the story is way before I got involved. Because if there's no story, there's no point in me being there. That's my other thing. My and I think that's another her. reason I wouldn't last in wrestling now. Because the first question I would ask is, well, why are we doing this? What's the point in me being there? What's the point, what's the point of having me there? Why do you need me? 
and I have, I'm, I have I'm daughters that are very tough. My my girls, I have four girls, and they're they're very tough. Uh, and my my daughter that just poked her head in before we came on, she's yeah. about six. I, foot I love tall. her. She's awesome. <clears throat> she's about six foot tall and stronger than most average men. You would. I, I still have discouraged them from getting involved in the business. And even a co- over the last couple of years, as Haley's gotten older, I've thought she's she would be bigger and stronger than 99% of the girls. And she's she's athletic. I mean, so... But you worry about be, the influence on it. Right. And, and I have the train... I mean, I could train her to the point where I could get her to somebody that... And I've thought about it. But the, the biggest apprehension I have is how she would be treated by yeah. the guys. And and then it's only because I lived it, I saw it, I I I sadly took part in some of that. Uh, you know, when I was younger, very young, by the way, before I was married. Um, yeah, of course. But but I was. I mean, and because honest to God, and I'm not blaming anybody else for it. But when you're 21 or 22, and everybody, you know, all the older guys are telling, you, hey, you know, this is the life we live, and blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. You believe that shit. I started, I started gassing. I started doing roids and I wasn't a wrestler because I wanted to get big like the guys. I wanted to be, I was scrappy dude. I was hanging out with the big boys and, and then, and they all fall into that same towel snapping mentality and they don't, they forget that they're dealing with human beings. And, and that's, that's a real issue and a real problem. Now, luckily the boys today, I think they got the young guys today, for one, they know they can get their ass in a sling for doing it because of social media. So they got to be yeah, careful. Yeah, there is that. If kind everybody of had cell phones when I was there, coming yeah. up, if everybody had cell phones when I was coming up, we'd all be in prison right now. And I, yeah. I'm not when I say I don't mean jail. I mean federal prison right mm-hmm. now. And all the guys I ran with, I would there be would, in the same there were a handful of choir boys. I wasn't clean either. I know. I know. <laughs> there were a handful of choir boys, but for the most part, they were criminals. And, and I mean, in some form or the other, there was drugs, girls, mm-hmm. money, whatever, you know, and, and I'm just saying that. It, think it's think just about the how truth. many nice people would have gotten it. done if they had found out that a 12 to 13 year old girl was performing in a strip club. Well, 12, think about the stuff I saw teenage girls do in locker rooms and I'm oh, not yeah. naming I names, but mm-hmm. I know what went on. And I, mm-hmm. I mean, so shit, I. I, witnessed. I, didn't I mean, and, and I'm just to hear it. I'm not, and I'm not proud of that. Ain't no badge of honor for me. No, I'm ashamed of it, to be honest with you. And but at the same time, it's reality. It's what happened. That's why I said I'm very, I'm encouraged by the fact that the guys today at least know a what they have to lose because they've seen some of their peers fall prey to bad decisions. So I'm hoping the boys out there now uh, think with your brain, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and I think they do. I think they do, and like. I mean, I look back on it. I was. They staring. seem like it. The boys I talked to today seem pretty responsible, but then again, yeah. they're talking to an old guy, so they don't. They're not going to sit here and no, tell me all no. their. No, I mean, I've spoken to some of the younger guys, and yeah, they are more screwed on. I would, I would say that. For I think me, the kids now got a lot more sense, despite what the old people my age will tell you. Yeah, They've got I, more I, sense I would, I would have blown off. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm 34, right? So when I was around doing my stuff. You know, my dad's partner took rods because he had a a, a muscle condition. He took painkillers. He took suppositories. <laughs> I know because I'm the person that had to give them to him because he was scared of needles, right? So I knew about the drug abuse. What I did was nothing compared to what they did. I would take a shot of rum. 
I would smash up an, uh, an anti-inflammatory, I would dump it into my rum, and that would see me through the night. That's all I ever did. I drank. And yes, there is stories about me, you know, stripping and stuff when I was younger because I drank too much. But guess what? I always got to my bed. I always found a way home. I didn't ever lose control. And I lived my life by a set of rules that saved my life. If I didn't know what I knew about wrestling, I probably would never have had those rules and I would have probably been in a ditch somewhere. But because I knew wrestling and I was a fan of it, I grew up with it, I adored it, that transcended into my dance career. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to sleep with my dance partner, one. I'm not going to get involved in the orgies that were going on backstage. I never did. We were all in co-ed friggin' changing rooms, so I knew what everybody packed. And let's, let's be honest, none of it was impressive. So I was never interested in any of that. Did I, did I have situations with girls? Sure I did. But I never denied any of it. I've always been accountable to the stuff that I was involved in. That was the difference between, you know, me and 99.9% .9 of the dancers. Because I actually knew what was going on, and I would say, okay, I'm not proud of what we did last night. We ain't fucking doing it again. And I would, I would do that. That was just me, though. I got one for you here. Since you said I always got a good story. Here, here's an example of life for me back then when I started driving the guys around. And you remember, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to love this. In my early twenties, right? I got, and I had a Lincoln Continental. I had to drive. I like luxury cars. Well, and yeah, I worked, you, I worked hard to get it. I did. I wasn't rich. I worked to get that car. So when I finally got my Lincoln, all the boys wanted me to drive. Course, you know, even yeah. though it made no sense because my car got shitty gas mileage because it was a big boat. You know, it was a big, not a boat, but you know, but it was, it was a, comfy. a luxury, you know, Lincoln, Lincoln, you know, yeah. but there's not room and it's got leather seats and every power, everything and the trunk's huge for everybody's bag. So cool. And you drive because all you really do is drink, mm -hmm. which is the dumbest thing. Anybody, since all you do is drink, you be the driver is, is basically, <laughs> that's how stupid we were. But the yeah, worst thing is, I kind of saw back, that coming. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. is a true story. Coming back, so thank God I didn't have an open container in the car because normally I had a co-pilot with me everywhere, and that's just yeah. the truth. That's again another thing not proud of, but mm -hmm. I got to own up to it. I did it, and a lot that's of people. That's why do. I never drove. That's why I never drove. But I'm driving three guys in the car with me. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, it was one in the front, two in the back. We get pulled over. And now I've got alcohol in my breath, but I'm not actively drinking. Mm -hmm. We are coming back from, it was, it was Shreveport, but we're not, we're out of, I think we're in Tennessee or, or I, I can't remember. No, we're, all I know is we, we were coming back from Shreveport Yeah, and we got pulled over on the interstate uh, by a state trooper. And the worst part is sitting there and I'm a little intoxicated. Everybody else in the car is too. But I have to sit here and think in my mind, if they search the car, I'm doing in, I, I'm thinking who's in the car and doing and inventory. What drugs what in the car? Yep. What's in their bag? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What's in the trunk? I'm not yep. worried about these fools being drunk in the car. Nope. That's fine. Here they but go with drugs. Yep. What's in the trunk? So I got to think, okay, this guy, he does, he does speed. Okay. This guy, this guy, he just does smoke. That's not a big deal. This guy, oh God, he's probably got Coke. Yeah. And you know, and you're 22 years old, thinking I'm going to prison for the next 10 fucking years over something I didn't do because I wanted to hang out with rest. 
you know, and that's my life. That's my real life story. So, I mean, that's a shoot. There's a real, that's a wrestling shoot that doesn't have to be made up because it didn't sell anybody any tickets. But damn it, it did have me shit in my pants. I will tell you that. It sold it, take it to my underwear. I can tell you that. I remember, I remember the night that we had, we had a really poor night. We got stiffed by um, a nightclub. So me and, me and Derek didn't have money for a hotel room, right? We didn't have money for a hotel room. And we slept in the car, right? But in the back of my head, I'm like, if the fucking police comes by and they know what's in his car, I'm going to jail. Because he had like four different kinds of steroids, at least, in his trunk. He at least had, I think, six different types of opioids on him. Never mind the stuff I had, but my stuff was on prescription because I was smart. I knew that I couldn't do time for it. If you've got a prescription in the UK, you can get away with it. But if you don't have a prescription in the UK, you're, you're fucked. So I had a prescription for mine. And I remembered thinking, like, because we saw the police car go by and I thought, shit, we're, we're fucked. He's just fucked a girl, dropped her off two, two miles away, and we're sleeping in a car park, right? That could have gone so bad. So fucking bad. Well, and then they might have tried to nail you on uh, solicitation because they could say, well, even though you got a script, you're trading sex to get more drugs. I mean, cops in America do that all the time. Yeah. They they just draw. I was was 16. I was just. I shouldn't say that because I have so many friends and family that are law enforcement officers. They don't do that. I know that some. I was was like barely legal because. Disclaimer on it. (laughs) Yeah. But the barely legal part came because I was literally 16 and a half. So, like, I was just over the threshold. So he couldn't get done for, like, transporting a minor. But, again, I'm just over the age of consent. So it could have gone bad for us. And there was, a, like, the the night that um, one of the girls overdosed, it was me that brought her around because I was the only one with any knowledge on how to bring her back. Like, I literally get a phone call saying, shit, Crystal, come to blah, 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 blah. Because we've got a girl and we think she's ODing. And I bolt out of the the room I'm sharing with Derek, get down the hall, and I have to help bring her back because, guess what? She got into somebody's stash. She was 21. She was a lot shit older than me. But she got into somebody's stash. Mm, Yeah, don't ever do that. That's why I only drank, because I didn't, like, trust anybody. Ever in the dance industry. I never trusted any of them because they were crazy. They were crazy. And I got told wrestlers were even worse. So I I always did it in the back of my head. Don't drink around them. If I do drink around them, cover the drinks. You know, all the usuals. I honestly honestly thought somebody would try and pull something on me at some point. But now One I feel of your more biggest fans. I know I know we're on the air. I just wanted to say that uh our we're recording, but I wanted to say one of your biggest fans just came walking through the, <laughs> the room. My wife. I don't know if she's my biggest fan. She, she waved or something for coming through. I don't have my glasses on, so I don't know, but she she gave me some hands like, you know, we have our own language and stuff. So that's yeah. you know, after you've been with somebody a while, it's kinda you, like you, you have start... to get her summer of him because that's my latest and it's hotter. Summer of him? I'll I'll have to let her know. Yeah. It is really hot. It's really hot. Oh, it, oh but uh, by the way, since we've been talking about ourselves for a while, I, I want to get into some wrestling stuff to you with you because we sure. haven't we haven't really discussed some things. 
right now, if you had, to, I'm going to throw you, I'm going to interview you for a while since Go I do it. this too. For you you okay. know me, you can put me on the spot. I can handle it. Rapid fire. I mean, not too rapid fire, but just quick okay. shots. Let's go Number for one. It. Okay. Who, what is your, who's your favorite performer to watch in wrestling right now? Current or old? Currently, right now. Kenny that's Omega. on. You, you're going to find this hard to believe right now. Mine is Roman Reigns. I know that's an easy answer, but because I, I just want to see how they play this out now. No, yeah. He's boring to me because I don't. Think oh, I he's, think he's his think facial he's features. Very good. I, I, you know that I spent time when I trained. I had to sit in front of a mirror, and I had to make my face believable to anybody because that was part of you know the whole selling and dancing is your face and your body language. Roman to me, I just I don't find him credible. I, I've, I've had this issue with him for a number of years. I just don't buy it. I, and it's, it's just me. It's my opinion. I don't buy him. I buy Kenny a little bit more. I feel like a movie director on the set. You're like, I feel like he's phony. Yeah, he's playing phony. That's, that's to me, I just don't believe him. I believe Kenny more than I believe. I think he's supposed to be kind of over the top, again, phony, like a caricature. Yeah, I know that. And I do know that. But (laughs) it's just, when he, gets, <coughs> when he gets beat down, I don't believe he's beat down. I, I can see him watching for the next move, right? Whereas if I watch Kenny take an ass kicking, Kenny is believable. He He's genuinely believable. I'm sorry. I just, I find that Kenny's more believable. To be honest with you, I think Kenny is a far more believable heavyweight champion right now than Roman Reigns is. That's just my oh, I think, opinion. <clears throat> I think that right now, I think that not to use a uh, not to use a pun here, but we are eventually going to acknowledge that the bloodline is the most well crafted story. No, in wrestling, ever. I'll never, I'll never acknowledge that because I have it's, seen there is so... no story that's ever gone this long. No, I'm sorry, it's. Okay, well, I mean, there, there unless, we into, like, the, unless we get into is, the Paul Jones and Jimmy Valiant feud that went on forever, that this is no, gone no, I on can years. name you. I can name you a At better storyline for years. No, yeah. uh, I'm talking about dollars and cents. I'm talking about effective viewing. I'm talking about all together, not just the story itself. I'm talking about mm-hmm. how it brought everything together. There has never been a more complete storyline than we have. I, right I, now. I will disagree with you, and I will argue Tommy Dreamer and Raven. <laughs> Tommy because Dream that's transcended more than one company, right? It's transcended more than one company. It was believable to all the fans to the point to this day they still believe the storyline, right? And it gets an emotional reaction from every single person that's ever in the arena. You cannot tell me that when the bloodline started, they had the same emotional reactions that Dreamer and Raven had at the beginning of theirs. My counter to that would be the Raven-Dreamer feud was never as good as it was the first time around. Let's let's be honest. It was watered down every every single every, time. They everybody it watered it down. Yes, I will agree with and that. And Raven and Dreamer, they were great in lightning strikes. This is no. a three-year rainstorm we're in the middle of. Now, that's, that's the difference. It's just the same thing as saying Austin was a bigger draw than Hogan. He wasn't. Austin was for four years. Hogan was for 30. 
There's well, a big difference. How, how long? Longevity can... counts. Longevity yeah, okay. matters. Here's my argument then. Look at how long Dreamer and Raven's story has run. Right? You're talking way Off back in on. the early ECW When's the last time they were in the ring together? When he got inducted into the TNA Hall of Fame. But I'm talking about in the middle of an angle. It, it's not It's not been a continuous storyline. Just because it's been under... I mean, that's like saying we could bring back Flair and Steamboat right now and it'd be 40 years old, a 40-year angle. That's not... Well, I mean, Dreamer and Dreamer and Raven back were, special, were fighting uh, in uh, uh, ECW for years. Years there's that a difference. angle went on. I mean, to me, this is a difference between a career and a comeback tour. And, and that's right now, Bloodline, this is a career they're on. Those guys getting back together every few years, that's just a Eagles reunion. You know, I mean, that, that's yeah, but if you that's look all at, that. I mean, not, not, nothing against them. Their story no, no, was I brilliant, but it did not last or have the, the, the staying power at all that I, nothing has. I'm sorry. Nothing to, has. To, to me, I felt like the bloodline. You're talking to a guy who does not like the WWE that much. Yeah, and, I know. I know. But to me, right, I know that that's Polly's big story and whatever right okay i get that and polly's brilliant polly is brilliant as much as that pains me to say but it's not polly's best work i'm sorry the best storyline polly ever did was when he let raven and tommy and sandman create what they created well i mean that's like but that's like saying if you put out a whole bunch of albums, if one of them's the best, the rest of them are shit. I mean, that that's not, I mean, yeah, his better work was, I agree, his vintage stuff was better than what they're doing now in terms of just the intensity of it. But what he, in the era that they're in today with what they have to work with, that is the very best you could possibly, there is no way you could do better than what they've done with Then I mean, I can't see a way you can improve on this. To keep there's it going there's only long. one person I know, right, that could write a better storyline, and I am so going to probably pay for this. There is only one person in the business that could write a better storyline, and it only if he had the right talent, the TV time, and they allowed him to have his creative work. If you were to pitch, if you were to put Polly head-to-head with, with Raven, Raven would write a better storyline 99.9% of the time. Well, I tell you what, there's a guy floating around right now named Jimmy Jacobs. I, I think I'd put him up against almost I any creative mind in the business. I, I, I think, and when they hired him, apparently AEW's hired him. Somebody said to me, well, I guess maybe they could make Jimmy Tony's assistant. And I said, shit, Tony ought to be Jimmy's assistant. I, I mean, I, Jimmy is, there are a lot of really, really, t- I, th- I always thought Hunter Johnson was brilliant, delirious, mm-hmm. you know, um, I, I, I still think court was brilliant. I, I think would, there's a lot I of guys be, out there that can write a good storyline. They just haven't. I would be interested. They haven't to written see. one like the Bloodline, though. No, but you know my work, right? You've read my work. If they were to put me in a writer's job and they gave me six people and I had to create a storyline, I can tell you here and now that my storyline would it it would encapsulate all of the characters and their personalities. I just feel like the bloodline is flat in places where it could have been better. Right? Now if I was to take a storyline and I'm only using this as an example, I never want to have to write this storyline. I never want to have anything to do with this storyline. But 
Joe and me were we were brainstorming one day and we were brainstorming for an idea and he thought wouldn't it be funny if Joe pretended to be a dad and his girl or his daughter valet or whatever ends up getting sucked into something with Raymond right because Raven's got some old blood from TNA and when I wrote out the storyline and I showed it to Russo Russo thought it was the best thing he'd read in years because it made sense. It had all of their personalities in it. It had all of the things in it that made that made it good. And I could add and take car- add and take wrestlers out of it if and when needed. Right? That's longevity. If you can take people and not kill other people's characters while doing that storyline, that's that's real storytelling. But to me, I just feel like the drama really was not there with the bloodline. It just until they took Sami in, it just felt really, really flat. And then when Sami left, I just felt like you were just waiting around for it to fall apart. It just felt well, like, oh, well, that story's done. And I, well, I, I mean, felt that way from the minute I saw it. And I'm not a WWE fan. You know I'm not. But that's how I was I, left feeling. My my feeling is like this. is A, number one, I've watched it purely luckily been able to watch it mostly lately just for entertainment sake because i don't get paid to cover it anymore so i i can do that um but i agree that the beginning of it was definitely a lot slower and the sammy element changed a lot it that's kind of how every great movie is the beginning Mm -hmm. starts out a little slow it shouldn't have been as slow as it was it should never have been as slow as it was but but that's yeah but you know there's also that thing you know my, my grandma used to say a watched pot never boils I yeah. mean, if you sit there and wait for something to happen, you know, right now, then, you know, it's not going to happen in your mind. It's never going to happen fast enough is what I'm saying. And if, I, so, if I'm going to be honest, I flicked through Bloodline stuff at the beginning. I literally would flick through it because I get bored. It bored well, I think me. they were building and I don't even think they knew what they had. I, with every great storyline, you never know what you got. No, they first, didn't know what they had. They, they, they didn't. I'll give you Even that. the NWO, they weren't sure what it was going to be. And it well, was an explosion. I'll, I'll put you on the spot, right? You know my writing. What do you think would happen if they, they gave me four guys and told me to write a storyline? Do you think it would be any good? I think the same thing that would happen with me. I think you would write one hell of a story, which is where I give tip my hat to the bloodline. I think you'd have a hell of a great story, one of the best ever, for six months. Mm-hmm. And then nobody and would then know me. Tapped out. No, I and wouldn't be tapped, be tapped out. out. No, I wouldn't. Because the difference between me and I think a lot of the writers out there was when I went into the dance scene, I would work three, four week storylines where we were doing maybe two or three performances a night, right? I never ran out of ideas because I understood the characters and the people that were around me and how to use them. Where I fell down was shorter storylines. So if I only had like a week to get it to conclusion, then I would struggle. And I openly admit that. That was my weak point. I have a, you know, I have somebody that's script doctoring for me right now because I have a tendency to think really long term and I don't have really big payoffs at the beginning. That's my, that's where my weakness is. And I know that, but I know. Right, I'm going to name your storyline. Hold on. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. I'm going to okay. name your storyline. We're going to call it, we're going to give it the code name Marie. The Marie oh, story. Jesus. Okay. 
because I got to use something like we call the bloodline storyline. We know it. So we're talking about yeah. the Marie storyline. We'll just say it's Marie. So Marie okay, goes on. And it's hot. It it's me. hot, right? Okay. Okay. It's hot for a while. Blah, 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 blah. But, but what you're saying to me is, it, but I got to build it because I got to introduce new people and, and weave the story along. And while you're doing that, you're going to have a lot of people online that are going to say, there's just times that I felt like it wasn't as entertaining as it should be all the time. And now substitute Marie for bloodline. And that's exactly what you just said to me. No, you what cannot build a long storyline without having lulls. And I didn't ups and have, and I didn't have the option that the bloodline had. I didn't have a lot of backstage stuff I could have done off site stuff. But if I you did, done. but if I did, Marie would have, well, then, why doesn't, well, then why doesn't everybody, but then why doesn't everybody do it? Because I would have started it off with, I would have teased, right? So say we're using the Joe and Raven thing, right? I would have teased Joe bringing me in. Joe would be apprehensive about people being around me, right? Then I would have Raven kind of seeing this and you scheming. And I would build it with packages. Then I'd have a little tag match where Raven comes out and he's, you know, sniffing around me while I'm trying to be there for Joe. And I would build it like that. To the point where I'm strapped in a fucking cage or something, and, and they've got to fight over me, right? Now I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you the first lesson I ever got from anybody, and it was from a guy who passed away not too long ago, a guy named Ben Oliver. Yeah, we were sitting down, and I was doing exactly what you're doing right now, and I was mapping out a storyline, and now I'm gonna have him do this and do that. And you know what Ben said to me? He goes, "All right, where is everybody?" And I said, "What do you mean? Where's Tony at? Where's uh, Where's Pondo? Yeah. Where are they?" And I but said, I can they're, they're going to be here and here and here. And he goes, oh, no, he said, where are they right now? Mm-hmm. See, you're writing it without them. And you can't do that. And no, that, that's where a lot of. You have to write and, the whole thing. You have to write the whole right? picture. But, but Crystal, you can't until you walk in the door. I know. There's no story. There's no story till the actors have the script. And yeah. and that's the problem with wrestling is that we have too much. And, and that's the problem with the people. And for you folks out there, you never, 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 never. We, we're, write so a getting, we're so going to get blown. Never write a script and mail it to a wrestling company. No. They will throw it in the garbage. Yeah. They will never look at that I because they don't want to see that. Yeah. You cannot write their show without being there. Yeah. And it's an, actually, it's an insult to them, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. So what I'm trying to say is all the people out there that are booking in advance are booking a story. It, it is absolutely 100%. A, it is a, it is right. a, well, it's no, it's more of a, it's more of just a waste of time because they're not going to give you that. They're not just not going to give you what you want. You just said, if I had this and this and this, you're yeah. not going to get, if I had that too, I'd love it, but they're yeah. just not going to do, they don't even give that to Triple H and he's mm-hmm. family, <laughs> you know? So yeah, and looking I mean, back when, situation, when, there's so when, many creative, it's like a Rubik's cube. You can turn yeah. wrestling any direction you want, but they got to let you turn it. Yeah. And the thing that I learned about when we were on the road and we were doing our performances and we were doing everything, everybody in the backstage came to me because I was the only one that could see the big, where directively as a group, we had to go. So even if Zeus was calling my, my sequence, which happened, I deferred to him sometimes because I had to deal with the rest of the show. Then, you know, we had to build in every layer. Like, Marie was always known for being around. So I had to be out there three or four times in one night, but I had to have a reason for being out there and I had to have a why for being out there. And that was the only reason that our dance thing kept going. 
we basically burned, you know, we came down and burned because we didn't have anybody that had business sense in the end that was running it. And if we had somebody that, you know, understood business, we would have done okay. We would have done really well. But we had nobody leading the ship at the end. And that was a huge problem. And that's why I got crucified in that club with chains that I never agreed to do that. But that was just how it was. Like they killed my character for a reason. They killed it to, to silently, you know, to, to get, you know, say a fuck you, you're out of here kind of thing. And that was ego. But I understand what you're saying. I know that I can't look at a wrestling company's roster and say, well, I would do this, this, and this, and this, and this. And I hope nobody comes away from this podcast thinking that I would do that. I'm just saying that from a story perspective, no, I've got We all do it challenge. hypothetically. Of course we all do it. No, I'm not. Where my frustration is more when you said that. I'm not frustrated with you. I'm frustrated with, yeah, you're right. If you had that opportunity, that'd be great. But it's mm-hmm. sad that. Yeah, the doors not are not open for people like that. And again, it goes back to what did I say at the beginning? It's different. It's not the same. And they yeah. want to go with what works. And and I understand it. It's profitable going with what works. Yeah. Sticking with the same thing has been very, very good to them. It's been $9 billion kind of good. Um, yeah. But do I think that they could have a more compelling show? Absolutely. It goes right back to what like I said about way. the internet wrestling community could be a lot more compelling too. It could be a whole lot. It could actually be a cultured product now yeah. as opposed to just the thuggery that it was a long time ago. But we're not going to do that because no. the, the there's always going to be the elements of I'm here and I know what I'm doing and you don't because you're not here. And yeah. so that's and that's fine. And that's in every industry. It's, that's not just confined I, to wrestling. I laugh because – when I had a conversation with someone, and I won't name who it is, I had a conversation with someone about Marie's World. You remember Marie's World when dancers mm-hmm. get yeah. sucked in? And they I said think we to, have it, didn't we? Yeah, you, the... I think you have it somewhere. Yeah, it, it's relaunching. We're actually going to finish the series, which is incredible. Um, but one of the this is somebody that's no longer in the business said to me, "This would be a hell of a show because it's drama." based and you would be able to bring in sides of the industry that isn't tapped that isn't cared for but at the same time i don't think any i don't think bischoff i don't think russo i don't think anybody in wrestling who writes or works backstage will ever respect me because of what i've done i created a genre for fuck's sake that didn't exist there had never been wrestling erotica till I came on the scene. And now there is books out there with wrestling erotica. The romance. You're falling into a, you're falling into a trap that a friend of mine recently yeah, has I been battling. I think depression over. You stop asking for their approval. Stop asking yeah. for their. I'm, I'm not, I cares? know that it's never going to happen. I know it's never going to happen. <laughs> I mean, that, that's my biggest thing. And I'm not trying to be a dick about it, but it's just like at, at a certain point, you know, Again, I don't bow to any masters. I'm, no. I'm a freelance writer. I, I work for myself. I work from home. I, 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 I like I always say, I, I, I work in uh, jammies and jumpsuits, uh, you know, yeah. and, I, and I make my coffee in my own kitchen. And, you know, and so I, I control my own destiny. So what, whether or not Vince Russo is a fan of mine or not is irrelevant to me. And whether or not the Pope is, a, is my fan is irrelevant yeah. to me either. All I have to do is pay my bills and keep living. And that's, 
that is where I think I conquered not not conquered the wrestling business because nobody can do that. No, I mean, never um, maybe Vince, maybe Vince has, <laughs> um, but but um, you know, it's more of conquering uh, my outlook on life. Of you know what, I'm good enough no matter what I do, and I don't need I, I being. And I, I mean, I know people in wrestling, a lot of people in wrestling, and I've been involved or whatever. That doesn't validate me. Saying I'm in the business or not in the business doesn't make me who I am. And and I'm not a wrestling guy. I'm not a sports guy. I'm just a guy at the end of the day. And all I want to do is be happy just like everybody else does. And one of the ways that I stay happy is not getting worked up about whether or not somebody thinks I'm great. I've only just gotten there. And I think the only reason I've just gotten there is because uh, Bill Apter and Bill Barons both said to me, you've got talent. And having them say that to me, and then also having other wrestlers who've known me for a length of time, who've turned around and said, I can call you my friend. I can call you, you know, I respect what you've done. I think you've got a great mind. That to me, when I heard that, that was all I needed to hear. Because then to me, it's only the ones that I looked up to that I cared what they thought. And I've got that now. Like, I don't really have to go any further in, but I made a promise to someone that I was going to bust my ass and make sure that I did what I could for the ones that we looked up to. And I will see that to the end. But other than that, like, the moment I heard from these people, Crystal, we respect you. That was it for me. Like, I'm happy now. I can go away and I can write all my books and be happy now because I've done it. I've proved that I can do it. And that's all that matters to me. You know, like, when this film comes out, to me, it's like a big screw you to everybody that ever said to me, you're not going to make it. it. You're not going to be anywhere. It won't. Because I think it'll be for, no, I think for you, I think you feel that way now, but then I think when it comes out, you're going to just be like, you know what? I'm not even worried about that anymore. This is now because it'll it'll be about you then and not them. And it should be. That's the, the, because I, I listen, I have, uh, and uh, it's very well documented. There's a reason my daughter lives with me. I have lots of reasons to to be hateful to my ex-wife and, and, and hold a grudge. And, and when I wrote, when the book came out, that thought floated into my mind. Well, let's see what she thinks about this. And then I thought, yeah. you know what? Fuck that. It doesn't that. matter. No, it doesn't she, You know matter. what? Because w- this isn't about her, man. This is my time. Fucking, she, she, she made her decisions. This yeah. is my time. You know, and, and I'm not saying that I'm, I'm writing a bestseller or anything else, but what I have is mine and yeah. I'm going to cherish it in my way. And I'm not going to let any chip on my shoulder keep me from soaring that's just the way i look at it and and i think you'll reach that point once you see your work on that screen and you realize that it's really real all that old stuff is just gonna kind of float away i think it's kind I, of I melts honestly through. i actually honestly think that i'll look at my stuff and i'll i'll not be able to watch it because you know me i haven't watched any of the stuff that i've ever written back i i don't even read the books back to myself i <clears throat> I'll listen to this, but like when I do podcasts and things like that or interviews and I, I'm I not a listen big back to it. I'll like, I'll do the edits and then that's me. Like I don't listen to my stuff. I don't watch my stuff because I don't, I'm not a fan of myself. Um, 
but I, I have a feeling like when I look at the film, it's going to be it's a it's going to be amazing, but b I didn't do it alone, right? This script has had a lot of help by somebody who's a lot smarter than me and is a is genuinely a lot nicer a person than me, and I couldn't have done it without them. So for me, mm. it's like I've achieved a dream, yes, uh, with them. And I'm really, really proud of that. But at the same time, I'll never watch it back because you know what I'm like. I'm always on to the next thing. I never stop working because it's not in me to ever stop. Yes, and I, I think feel. that's, it's going to get lost. Like the film will be, I will have my happy moment. I'll have my soaring. I'll phone Ryan and be like, yeah, we're at the party. It's done. It's wrapped. It's cool. Woo right. And then I will hang up that phone and my brain will already be on the next script or the next step in my career or the next thing I want to do. Yeah, I'm the same way. Because <clears throat> that, that's the way that I work. And I think that comes from being a performer, being on stage, doing the dance stuff, doing all the stuff that I've done. You always wanted to outdo yourself. You're never satisfied. You always want to take the next step forward. And I think well, that... I, I think I, was gonna say, I didn't mean to get job. I think once you get also you get in the habit of working every day. Yeah, days off feel weird. They start I can't feeling do it. really. I can't like, do it. Yeah, yeah. You feel like a lazy shit. Like the whole day. Like mm -hmm. if I don't do something creative or just work on a project of some kind, even even if it's just something fun I'm doing to just to mess around with or learning something, a new program on something, or I'm delving into some of the AI stuff and how it's going to revolutionize what we do, you know, because we know yeah, it will. Don't, don't even and, get me started on that. <laughs> well, that's a whole, we'll do an episode another day on that, but yeah. I'm, I'm also not as scared of that. I mean, as I'm not scared of it. I just, I know how much it's already damaged my career already. Well, I, I think it's going to even out at some point, yeah, like the internet point. will, I think it'll become a tool more than a, a nuisance, but, um, but that's neither here nor there. No, I, I'm just, I'm always doing stuff like that, but I think that's just a habit. And, and once you get in that habit, it's really, it's a positive thing in a lot of ways because it keeps you from falling into bad habits. You know, I, I find that I eat better when I'm, I'm more creative and, yeah. and, you know, I always use that line. And I thought about when you were talking from the scene from, or from the movie, throw mama from the train, and he's a an English teacher, and his saying is always, "A writer writes always." Yes. And and I find that I write every day, regardless if it's for work or not. Even if it's just for me I recording. I write something. and I dance every day, and the, the, the dance bugs never left me. Even like all these years I've been with Ian. I mean, don't get me wrong, Ryan, at my wedding, I was the most nervous wreck going because it was Crystal the person and I couldn't be Crystal the personality over the top or whatever. So I was yeah, I awful at my own wedding. But saying that, when I when I look at how far I've come from the dance scene to what I am now as a, as a more rational human being, I like the person I've become. I like the development. I like the story. That story, by the way, is never going to get told. I don't care how much my director pleads and begs for me to do that story. Because <laughs> that is never coming out. Because if my father learned about half of the stuff I've actually done, ooh, I would so get hung up by my shirt and curlies. Um, oh, yeah, my mom just recently stooged half my stuff to my dad. So I've, I've been repairing fences. Well, I'm I'm past those days. They already know about all my stuff, and and I've 
yeah i've said my hail marys and paid my penances and all that but i have never paid my penance for half the stuff i've done but but you know the the thing about that is and i think that is also part of it is for me and and i i'm not that old i'll be 48 at the end of the month but i do think that you get to that point where you're just like you're so comfortable with your work and what you do that you it it becomes really your life i mean it becomes your day-to-day life and and really to be honest with you because you know, going out and hanging out in bars isn't an option anymore. And, and we don't, you know, we both work and we're, we both I, I don't get drink the, anymore. Yeah. Which is, yeah. And I get the option, I get the option of, um, you know, working from home. So I, I'm very, I'm very much a homebody and I think it gives you a chance to really reflect on things as well. Yeah. And you find the stuff that's really, the priorities change a lot. And I think work brings that out of you. I think it staying busy brings that out of you and, and being thoughtful all the yeah. time brings that out of you, which is always a pot. I feel like I'm delivering again, like life messages and we, but, but this that is, is like the rest of It's about me. books and it's about life and it's about the authors and the writers that make it what it is. And, and I, I think, think that's why, I think that's why I'm moving away from sports and the black yeah. and white stuff of who won and who lost and who won yeah. what championship. And I still love that stuff. And you still owe me as far a as life piece, goes, by the way. You still owe me. What's that? Co- you still owe me oh, my yeah. coffees you never wrote. Yeah, I've I've got to get a new uh, I've got to get some new um, places that let me write whenever I feel like it. Yeah, you know, like, 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 like the one where I don't have an obligation. Like, hey guys, I got something for you. you know, like somebody six, where I'm just six years ago, you came to me. And you're like, oh, I want to do a piece on you, and we've never done. Yeah, but it. then you worked for me for a while. Then you you know, like we've yeah. bounced around. We've both been so busy doing so many things. And speaking of that, you were talking about films. We need to get together too because I've been talking to somebody over here in the States. So yeah. we, that's something I, I, I was looking forward to speaking with you. That's something that's, that's okay. Yeah, we'll do we'll that off camera. Yeah. But, yeah. um, and I do want to let you know though, too, I've been in the works for a while now, almost a year. I've been talking about doing a podcast. I am going to launch the profit report, um, which profit, you know, profit spelled P R O P H E T, you know, just cause yeah. I like plays on words and, uh, next month, but, uh, next month, in July, I also have book signings coming up. I have three that I know. I am of. too. I'm I'm traveling next month, which is so. I, I'm hoping to get the show off the air. There is a YouTube channel there now, but I will tell you guys, there's no content yet. And I'm yeah. probably going to short off, start off with short like interviews before I go into full episodes, just to kind of get everybody's feet wet and get them yeah. familiar. Because yeah. everybody that follows me there is going to expect wrestling or sports, yeah. and it's really going to be more like you know. I think me and Mike want to do an episode. One of the first episodes is going to be forgotten films, like yeah. movies we loved, but nobody really noticed, or they've maybe been. You'd be the first in of history. You'll be the first wrestling podcast I ever go on. Uh, well, it won't be a wrestling podcast. I know, but I'm just saying you would have. No, you would have been. Um, like, yeah, I, I, I want you. I want you to come on because I definitely yeah. want to talk about your writing. That's what I want to have on. I want to have on different types of that's why i said i want to make it more general talk because i have friends you know in hollywood i have friends in politics i have which i i really am going to probably stay away from politics a lot unless yeah, it's just talking about something career same thing with religion i, I don't want to do heavy shit this isn't no. it's just supposed to be fun and like yeah. i said you're talking about old movies and and you know hanging out at the roller rink when you were a kid and shit like that like we all did you know when we were the first time i remember man one of the coolest presents i got for christmas one time I, my mom and dad got me some spider-man underoos and for like a week i wouldn't take them off i was spider-man all around the house that whole week i probably smelled like a cow's ass by the time it was over with but man yeah. i'm telling you 
That see, that's the kind of stuff I want to talk about on my show. I don't want to talk about too much heavy stuff, man. Because I mean, it, that's all. That's everywhere. That's all see, on Twitter. See, like, on social I always, media. I always share. I'm bring you, like, it back. Yeah, like I always find with you. Like I always shared funny stories. Like I remember telling you my first ever date I ever went on, and I set the guy's arm on fire, and you were like, "What?" And I'm like, that was my first date. I knocked over Saki and it went all over his shirt. And then he knocked into the candle because we were both awkward and set himself on fire. And we were, we were like 17, 18 at the time. I, you just thought that was crazy. But that was my life. See, like, you know. This is why I pursued talk radio at first. I wanted to do a call. I love call-in shows because yeah. I love hearing other. That's what I love about Facebook. That's why I'll throw out. That's That's where the switch to what I'm doing really came from was mm -hmm. my social media feed. I'll throw out a variety of things. I'm like a DJ at a party, you know, DJ yeah. will play some disco, some rock, some hip hop, blah, 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 mix all that in. And maybe then do a remix of everything, a mashup. Well, that's what I try to do on social media. Not, not because I'm trying to be a character, become more popular because I'm fascinated to see people's responses. I love people. I love listening to what people say. I love, I love hearing their ideas. I love, I love learning from them because you learn from everybody. Even the dumbest person in the world can teach you something. You know, you can figure out something. You can at least learn from them how not to be yeah. dumb. You know, I mean, but, but what I'm saying is that I watch that and I think, okay, let me throw out something funny. Let me throw out something serious. Let me throw out a song and watch people yeah. that I know from all over the world. People like yourself, you're in Scotland. I have friends from the hood all the way from the hood to Canada. You know what I mean? And it's like, and it's, it's, that's what's so cool seeing that mix of people and all the stuff, what I noticed on social media, when I go to other people's pages and they bring up Trump or they bring up this social issue, or they bring up a war that's going on and everybody's got all these opinions, everybody's pissed off, but you bring up a, a funny, something funny from a movie from a long time ago. Nobody's mad. No. Everybody's ready to laugh and party. Yeah. And, and, and that's me. I'm the DJ of the party. You, you've, and that's you've what I'm going to do with my butt. You've seen and my like, book. Yeah, you, but you've seen like the, the, the videos I put out are usually really funny because they're like, oh, well, this is how I ended up here or this is what I'm doing or this is like me traveling somewhere doing something stupid. Um, and I did that not for recognition, but I did it to try and teach the younger writers that are coming up behind me. Look, this is don't do this. Do this instead, because I don't want them to suffer the way that I did. Um, so that's why I do my videos and that's why I push this podcast is it's to give authors and everyone around me an opportunity to learn from my mistakes. And so well, that I think, we have a better industry. You know, I think I want my work to, now where I think I'm shifting to, mm -hmm. I want my work to represent, I want it to be a piece of me, but in relation to other people, I, I'm trying to learn about myself. At this stage in my life, I'm on this journey and yeah. my guess is you're on it too. Yeah. And we can go on it together and have some laughs along the way and maybe figure some things out. And, and you know what? Nobody gets hurt. No. There's a whole lot of negativity in the world right now, and there's plenty of it to go around. And, and I don't want to give anybody a big self-help speech or anything like that. No. I'm like, man, let's just have fun. Let's just have fun for a while. And, and you know what? We might just fine we got a little bit more in common than we yeah, thought we did exactly and the, you know the funniest thing that i ever learned was i used to text my wrestling friends like every few months right and i i didn't think it meant anything i like i thought they just all ignored it or whatever you know never took it in 
Um, but you were one of the first people that actually would phone me and be like, hey, Crystal, not seen you on in like two months. What's going on? Like you were like the only one that would ever pick up the phone other than Joe and be like, are you OK? Um, you know, and it was like it's weird to me because when I was going through my lowest, when I had my sepsis, it was you. It was Joe. It was Stevie Richards um, that got me through it you got me through it because you guys were messaging me and I couldn't just lie there and give up. You guys were messaging me. You were talking to me. You were pushing me to just keep going. I mean, I had a text from Matt Hardy on the day of my birthday. I was lying in a hospital bed and he texted me happy birthday. Like, uh, well, not text me, but he tweeted happy birthday. And that, that made my day. Cause there I was, lying in a hospital bed, couldn't have my birthday cake, which was sitting on the end of my table because I couldn't open my mouth. And the fact that he took that time just to send me that made it so that I fought back and I came back from that. So, you know, well, there's I... a fraternity there that I love and I, I miss and I feel like you guys are now my people. Like, you know, I, I had didn't have that for the longest time. I can tell you that I was getting ready to go into uh, surgery uh, last year, and I at, just as I was getting ready to go in, I got a text from the Disco Inferno, which sadly made me want to live less. Um, so it was not quite as oh, encouraging. As no, I'm kidding. No, it was funny. Yeah. No, but seriously, I tell that story all the time as a joke. But no, actually, I was supposed to interview Glenn that day, and I had to text yeah. him. But he was not, and I told him what was going on, and he was so cool about it. He was like, Oh man, I hope you're okay. It sounds like you might have pancreatitis. The way, and he was like actually diagnosing me over the phone. So I thought that was very nice. But I make the joke of, yeah, I was going in and thought I might die, and then I got a text from Disco, and then I realized I wanted to die. <laughs> but, <laughs> you're, but you're no, gonna but have to do, not- you're going to have to do me a favor, and I'm going to call you out on this show, right? Because of the fact you've mentioned Disco, I want you to send him a copy of my work. And get get his honest reaction from it. It would just be something smart ass. I'm sure. Haven't you I heard don't his care. show? I just want to know. I he is not somebody. I, I, I don't know him that well. To. I just know him from Impact from when he was yeah, up there. But I don't I know would, him like. I would love and he was at TNA. He was yeah, at I'd TNA, like but I'd like those guys. Um, they hung out more with like people I knew. But yeah, I mean, yeah. I've got his number. I, yeah, yeah text I'll, I'll just, him, I'll text just him random, say, I'll just randomly send him sex. Uh, sex. No, like text and say, look, I got this thing. It's wrestling erotica. Uh, you know, Crystal knows some of your friends, and uh, she. But he doesn't know me. The last time I talked to him was a year ago, and we barely know each other. And the first thing I'm going to do is start sending him erotica. I think I might want to develop a little bit more of a masculine yeah, but I relationship. Wanna, I want to know before, what he thinks because before we we take got, it to that level, he's got this kind of personality where you kind of want to kill him. Like, he just has this aura of you want to get your hands around his neck and strangle him. At least that's all that I've ever seen of it. So for me, it's kind of like tongue-in-cheek fun of, well, what would his reaction be to something like this? Like, Their show cracks me up. Know. Their show cracks me up because no matter what it is, I can almost, like, answer every question before they, they answer. And I like, yeah. and I've, I've uh, interviewed Conan, too, and some people don't like him. He was really professional. Like when I dealt yeah. with him, that's all I could ever say is he was like super answered the questions. Very cool. Did not get like overly excited, but wasn't it? He wasn't a prick either. You know, he was, he was just a pro, you know, I mean, you can tell he's in a million media shots, you know, in his life. I would and, I'd be uh, interested I like, to see what Conan thought of this because and I, I think. And I like, 
I like the, I've interviewed Glenn a couple times and I like him because he's really talkative and energetic and, like um, and funny. He's mm-hmm. fun. He has fun. You can tell he enjoys, I, I've said this before and I've said this about a few, a few uh, people in life, but I think disco really likes being disco. He yes. really enjoys life a lot. You, you can um, tell that but, by watching him. You can tell that. But by there's still Christ we up because any question, whatever it is, no matter what it is, if it's if there's something wrong, it's because the world has gone woke. Now that's the answer to everything. On this I like show, that. I, you okay, know. you have to you have to tell him I like that. I like that answer. But it's, no, yeah, like, it's, um, it's everything's gone woke. I was like, well, I mean, it's I understand what they're saying, but it's like it's okay. But it's just like that's the simple band aid to everything. I'll see yeah. everything's just too woke. I, now. I would I would be interested to see what Disco thinks, and I'd be interested to see what Conan thinks because I think Conan might see the humor in a lot of what I've done. But he might also be a little annoyed that I've sexualized his, you know, his business. Um, and I think whereas Disco, he would see the humor that I'm, you know, doing tongue in cheek of, yeah, you guys are like walking, talking porn stars, you know. But then again, he does work at a strip club, so he might be immune to all the sex stuff. He's probably like, I don't like think he will. So I don't think he's he probably will. seen so many titties by this point that he doesn't even. Yeah, but <laughs> they it's, don't even it's, it's not about it's not about the titties. You've seen how I put <laughs> the scenes together. Even you said. As I'm just happy as that I got you to say, I'm just glad I got you to say on your own show, it's not about the titties. Thank you. Uh, I knew you were going to push me there. But no, it's not about, right? Remember when you read the scene with the lollipop and I tie the wrestler up in the robes and we draw the lollipop on <laughs> yes. him, right? Yes. remember that scene. It stuck yeah. with you. And when you read it, you fucking messaged me that day and went, Oh my God, Crystal, where did you get lollipop and wrestling ropes from? <clears throat> Remember? Yes. I was trying to, um, that was a waste of Newminster tobacco right there. I just, I just lit my pipe literally right when you brought up the lollipop. And you and knew that I, I was it. going with it. <laughs> and I almost choked to death. <clears throat> so anyway, yeah, check out Crystal's work. I mean, Did how it. many people could you honestly put your hand on your heart and say would not have been affected by the lollipop scene? <laughs> yeah, I think that would get pretty much anybody. <clears throat> yeah, because... I mean, I'm joked up about it. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's he is actually, guys, you can't see this on camera, but per Poor Ryan's dying is like coughing his lungs up, literally. I, for those who don't know, I'm I'm an old man that smokes a pipe. Yeah, and uh, <clears throat> so yeah, that that, that would be that would. Be <clears throat> you're not supposed to inhale this tobacco. It's not you know like a cigarette. Yeah. Um, and when she said lollipop, all the smoke went right into my lungs. Mm. <laughs> wow. Because okay, I can breathe again now. Because when I, I wrote for Ryan, he would he censor would, a lot. <laughs> he had to censor a lot of stuff, and there was a lot of times he would write me back and go, "Crystal, I can't post this." Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> but I already got in trouble that one. I already got in trouble the one time we run ads for the dildos. The people were like really yeah. pissed about that. So, but yeah, well, remember my dildo story? I told you. <laughs> yes <laughs> which has actually man, been on this sure. show so it's fine but um <laughs> but no like oh. that was 
Russo wanted to teach me because I can write erotica really well. But on the other hand, I think he had the same problem of, oh my God, even I can't go this far. Like, there's a censorship issue. But yeah, and I mean, my dear to you today is I want you to go away and talk to Disco and talk to Conan and see what the reaction is. And then we'll have you back yeah. on the show to discuss it. All right, we'll see how that works out for me. I reckon, <laughs> I reckon you'll get a laugh out of Conan, if nothing else. Because he will either find it incredibly... No, they'll be like, who is this Mark? Trying or to bother us. Yeah, he's probably going to call me a Mark. <coughs> I, don't care. I don't care. No, they would call me a Mark. <clears throat> really? You oh, think I'm so? sure. Yeah. Everybody's a Mark to those guys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. But I suppose, like, it's weird because... I don't really... Like, Disco and that, to me, are, are not the ones that I looked up to. So I don't really take what they say personally. But... I do know that my work's affected some wrestlers in the business, and I'm proud of that. I'm proud of what I can do. If I can turn a guy who has seen every tit, ass, and pussy combination possible, if I can turn him on, then I've got something. That's my opinion. However, I do have a couple of um, wrestling (laughs) friends that do not give me honest reactions, um, which is very frustrating. I think one of them said, "I'm not reading smut." And he. Well, I mean, what, how do you rate your? How are we supposed to rate your? Hey, I gave it three boners, or what? I mean, what is that? <laughs> like, if it turn like the way that erotica works is, if I get you to go have sex with a girl from just reading the book, I've won. I've won. That's five well, out of five. If- Okay, well, first of all, motivating a guy to have sex is not hard to do, Crystal. But but you're doing it in a different way. I understand yeah, what you're saying. But the thing is, I'm not physically there saying, right, go fuck this girl, right? I yeah, am but his body is physically there. Telling you. I mean, guys are not. It's it's your effect you have on women that I think is yeah. the most impressive. Guys which, aren't which, hard. You know, we're yeah. easy to figure out. But strong wind blows, we got an erection. So, I mean. You know, I, I mean, well, your, your, your wife your read it, and you wrote to me the next. My wife day. loved it. Yeah, you're, my you're... wife loved it, and I loved that she loved it. Yes. Just for the <laughs> with her reaction, to, you no, said it was the best many night family secrets or anything, but uh, yeah. <laughs> but that, that's it's a, like... I would recommend men buy it for your wives. Yes. I would be my honest to God. And when I say that, I'm not being, I'm making jokes because of the, the subject matter. But the truth is, it it's, it, it is very, if, yes. If you were looking for some spark, and I know some people that just, I actually, my wife and I mentioned someone that we knew that had said that they were, oh, we were wanting to, you know, maybe they were trying to find something to kind of get their marriage. And I said, Tell them to buy crystals. I swear to God, I recommended yeah. your books. I was like, oh, "Yep, thank you. tell them to do that because maybe you get you know get the old engine." Did it work? I don't know. I don't really ask them about that part. <laughs> I don't know them well enough. That's my wife's territory. I don't get into anybody's life except my very close. Mm-hmm. And even then, like my buddies and I, kind of have a rule about that. Yeah. We don't talk about our like our so sex here, life with our wives. Here's like the thing that I always find funny was the guys in dancing were the biggest gossipers and I think I've had more sex talk with men than I've ever oh, had I never, with girls. I never talked about uh any any girl I was in a relationship with with my friends. I didn't want I didn't want it. first of all I thought it was really looked bad. It, it, it basically tells you 
tells the guy, I really don't give a shit about her because yeah. I'm telling you her business. And second of all, now you've just told all your friends how good she is in bed. What do you think they're thinking? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'd like, like to take the ride. I can, ride I can, myself, now, you know? I can mm. now look back, right? I pulled triplets <clears throat> one night, okay? Three girls, triplets, with a friend of mine, Maya. Now, Maya was smoking hot. Uh, she had a lot of muscle. She was, you know, she was a gymnast who became a dancer. And my line that I'm I gonna have to start paying 99 cents a minute for this conversation because it seems like that's where we're going. Here. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. It's because this, this went like letters to penthouse on me real quick. So go ahead. <laughs> but I pulled the triplets by saying, I wonder if all three of you taste the same. That was my line, and it worked. I got Check Maya laid and I got myself laid. You know, that's that's why a lot of the dance guys liked me as their wing guy, because I could get them laid. I'm still, you know, I'm still like that. I could get somebody laid in two seconds. It's just how I work. I think that's why the books work. Since this is my first appearance on the show, it, by the way, it's almost like we've been on here for almost two hours. Well, the show is um, two hours long, so you're okay. Okay. I, was, I wasn't sure, but just out of curiosity, do your listeners come here for the wrestling or to masturbate? <laughs> Which one well, this is the first time I've really talked to wrestling erotica because most of the time I have best-selling authors on from all over the world. Um, you know, crying children's. <laughs> so you waited until I got here to work blue. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, of course. Like, I saved the wrestling erotica conversation for you because that's what we did together. I wrote erotica for you and you used it. Yeah, but see, the Which... thing is, is like, you're, you're like, you're like, like, if, if we're talking about like anything of that, you'd be like a sexy thriller and I'm more like, you know, an animal house sex romp. <laughs> you know, that's my, <laughs> my writing is completely ridiculous. That's what I'm saying. I write about silly shit, yeah. you know, yours is like deep and intense. And I'm like, you know, Hey, have you ever been into a hot dog and it exploded in your, you know, that's, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's, it's those so are the kind of hot dogs I'm writing about the wieners yeah. that I write. about. Yeah. Oscar well, Meyer. I remember. I remember the night I told you about the frozen sausage fight. Remember? Yeah. Uh, yes. You know, like so. that—that's the kind of shit. Like when I did funny stuff, like getting, you know, chasing Derek around with a frozen sausage because he threw me through a bar, was you know part and parcel of it. Like that, you know, we had a lot of fun times, and yeah, things got pretty dark, and that's where I, I can get a lot of my dark stuff from. But most of the time, we had a lot of fun. But I would, I, okay, I'm going to put you on the spot. If you were to, if you were to pick somebody out of the wrestling industry right now that you feel my personality is most like, who would it be? Oh, somebody I know in the business that you would know? Well, anyone. If you say Disco Inferno, I really will slap no, you through the screen. No, no, I, 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 I'm talking about somebody I know, per, like really know personally. I, I, like I said, I don't know him well enough to. No, to but I'm saying, if you had said that, I would have reached through the screen and slapped you. Um, I'm putting you on the spot though for this one. Yeah, because it's hard for me to come up with a name. I can't really think of anybody right off the top of my head because um, yeah. most of the people I don't know them as as much creatively as I do you you know I mean I've mm -hmm. seen your work for so long and we're friends and and we're friends at a different you know I mean it's different it's very hard for me to compare someone who's a, like a 
someone I've known well for, to someone I know in passing in the business. Uh, you know, when I say I, I've met people or I know people in the business, I mean, that's it. I, I know them in that I might have somebody. I've got dozens of phone numbers. I, I mean, people, most wrestling fans, if they open my phone and would be like, oh, my God, you know, yeah. he's got this person, he's got that. You know, I just opened the other day and realized I'm going through and I was like, there's Bobby Lashley. I wonder if Bobby Lashley still got the same number. You yeah. know, and I'm like, I, I know that that's probably like mind jar, but I don't call them. I don't. No, I, I, really I don't. very rarely call anybody unless it's no. And I, I just just because I don't have a reason to, and I feel like a weirdo yeah. if I'm just calling and be like, hey. I mean, it's just, and especially the the females in wrestling because of the stuff that I know they've had to deal with elsewhere. I don't even want to like have the impression of being such, you know, like some guy that's going to show up at your house or something. Yeah, I, that ain't. Yeah. I I barely leave my own house was, <laughs> for um, those express reasons. I don't like people that much either. But, but it's just, that's the point is like, you have to, there is that line where I don't, I try not to get into people's personal. Now there are people that are very, very close friends that I met in wrestling that I love. Um, but, but I know them in it. I mean, I, a lot of them, I don't even think about the business when I'm talking to them. It's just, how's your family and that kind of stuff, you know, that stuff kind of transcends wrestling to me. And, uh, like air Paris, I mean, I know his family and his girls and, you know, I've watched, kind of got a chance from a distance to watch his family, his little girls grow up and, you know, he's yeah. a great dad. And, you know, I know him as Frank, you know, I mean, he's AJ Styles, old tag team partner. And, and, you know, yeah. I know Bill because of all those guys, Bill Barron. You mentioned two of my guardian angels also earlier, Bill yeah. Apter and Bill Barron. So, and, you well, know, Bill I, I, Apter. Wouldn't, I wouldn't have gotten into wrestling writing <laughs> at all if it hadn't really been for Bill either Bill Apter or Bill Barron's because right at the beginning, they were the ones that said, you know, um, we, you know, they a, believed in me and B they, you know, they still to this day will cheerlead me on and they keep, they keep in touch. They've always talked to me. Bill Apter was a bit shocked when I created the, uh, the erotica stuff. Um, but he understood that I was trying to make an impact and I was trying to use what I'm really good at. Um, and it's funny because in my everyday life, when I'm not being Crystal McCarrington, the author of Persona, and I'm being Crystal, the person, I'm really, really nice, as you've discovered. But when I'm the persona of Crystal or Marie, well, if I'm Marie, actually, if I'm Marie, you've seen me. I am, I am bitch. I am a heel. I'm every evil thing under the sun because that's what my character required. So in some regards, like, either you know me as the person behind it all or you know me as the character but I've never had anybody except for you and Joe that's ever crossed that line and gotten to know both sides I think my biggest thing that I I found and this was after a few years and it's really it was odd for me when I realized it because I was like I'm I'm a veteran of this and I'm I'm a journalist how did I fall into this trap yeah when I I really jumped full force into wrestling is I found myself becoming a persona. And I think a lot of the guys who cover wrestling do because it's a business built on characters. So you feel a need to be somewhat of a character yourself. Yeah. You see a lot. that That is what the author thing is now where you are seeing, if you're doing a signing, like I'm going to turn up on the 24th of June in a, in a legend shirt, which is Joe's t-shirt, I'm going to wear a short skirt and I'm going to look as sexy and as gothic and as smoky as hell because I'm there to sell wrestling romance. I'm there to sell wrestling erotica. 
But when I do an when I do an appearance as Crystal the Romance Writer, I have a different look. I have a different swagger. I have a different attitude because I'm creating memories so that the fans have something to connect to, so they come back for more. And I think that's a, a misconception. Like I go back to my hometown. And they expect the legendary dancer. And I'm not that person anymore. So, But I have to feed into that. Like, I go, when I go back and I do my appearance in Shetland, I have to be Crystal, the romance writer. And it's going to be so different for them. They're not going to know how to interact with me because I'm not Crystal, the dancer that they've grown up knowing. It's, it's crazy to me. But yeah, I've always played a character. And I think... Um, there's, I can literally count on one hand the number of people I've let behind the character, behind the persona. It's been you, Joe, Ian, Raven, and my best friend, Debs. That's the five people that's ever gotten to know me for, for me, for actually me. No persona, no character, nothing. And I keep that wall up because I, as I've always told you, I've always had trust issues. You know, like... I'd rather you hate Crystal the like the Crystal persona or the Marie persona than actually know the real Crystal and not like her, you know? Well, I mean, that's a good thing. You have that realization. And I think for yeah. me, my biggest thing and why I started doing the shift is when I said that I <clears throat> felt like I was becoming a caricature of myself in a lot of ways and falling into that trap. And that's why I kind of wanted to pull back and, and, and kind of realize, like, take stock in who I really am and and what I, what I am is I'm just a writer. And, and I mean, and that's what I'm always going to be. I always have been since I was 12 years old. Um, I've been doing this, you know, professionally since I was 15. Um, I don't know anything else, really. I'm not good at much else. Um, but I'm the same. But yeah. the one thing I do know is I'm a, I'm a hell of a good storyteller. And mm -hmm. But I always say play to your strengths. So I, I'm, I will tell you right now, I said earlier, I'm going to be 48 here pretty soon. So yeah. I can't tell you what's cool today but I can tell you what used to be cool and I'm yeah. really good at it. And, and that's the thing that I think that's, that's my niche now is this is, this is how, what I saw growing in. It's kind of how I see how it relates to today too, you know? And, yeah. and that is sort of more me getting to that. I want to be that old guy that writes books and they don't have to be about wrestling. They don't have to be about anything specific. They just yeah. have to be. Yeah. And it's the same. Like I, I sometimes dip my toe back into dance and I teach, here and there and then I remind myself like I had a student come up to me who was 16 years old and say why are you still doing this you're the grandmother of of Apache and I went oh my god that's like the, the grandmother thing ever yeah until like, you're I'm, really a grandmother till you're really a grandparent then you're gonna really start feeling it yeah but the I'm, point is I'm 34 and this 16 year old's calling me a grandmother of Lapache. Well, I'm, I'm like come I'm on. I'm 48 I am a grandfather getting ready to have my teeth replaced because I'm getting so old and they in a while and I've been in car accidents but uh you know I mean that's it's just a it's, it's one of those of things yeah it's part of I it hate getting I mean I hate I hate not looking the same and I hate yeah. I hate not being so tough and cool like I was back in my twenties, but yeah. I, the truth is I probably well, never really was and I'm not worried about it now. No, so I just, I, remember, I just want to get old gracefully, you know? I remember <laughs> when I wrote to you, um, I was as high as a kite, but I wrote to you and I went, they've just done a full reconstruction on my jaw. I fucking hate how I look. And what was it you said to me? Do you remember? I can't remember, but I remember getting the picture. Yeah. I, I remember texting you back going, um, 
you text me back saying, Crystal, you're still as cute as you were before the surgery. Oh, yeah, I remember. I just remember seeing it, but I was like feeling your pain because I saw it. Yeah. I was like, oh, my God. I went and got Mickey and yeah. I told her, I said, look at our girl. She is because your yeah. one old side was just so bad. Slowly, and I was like, yeah. and that's, I was just like, I have to send something back to make her feel all right because yeah. she looks like she is I miserable. I did. I right honestly, now. like, I, I came around the first surgery, I came around and they had not washed the blood away they hadn't washed like they hadn't even taken the hair they'd shaved off away so when i got out of bed there was just like clumps of hair blood everywhere and i thought oh my god so i went into the shower and i this was before i text you I went in the shower and i cleaned up and i got the rid of the blood came out passed out on the floor <laughs> as Been you there. do as you do they, they carried me back into bed. By this point, they changed the bed. And I, I snapped the picture and I sent it to you and I sent it to Joe. Because at that point, I'd seen my face and I looked as if somebody had taken a foot pump and like pumped my head up to the size of a basketball. And I'm like, oh my God. And then the second time I text you, I'd gotten sepsis and I had to get rebuilt. And you'd messaged me asking if I could do, I can't remember. It was like, you needed to get a hold of me for something. And I sent you like the picture and I had the, the breathing tube in my neck and, mm, and my face that. was huge. And I'm like, dude, I can't talk. Like, and, oh, sorry. And you were like, oh my God, sorry. And then, then you felt bad and then you started like, you know, messaging me. But luckily you did because I was having such a crappy day that, you know, you got me through it. Um, it's so funny. I, I, you were talking about you know, people, me staying in touch with you. I, I have a weird thing about that. My mom was the one person that would get, she would get a birthday card from everybody every year, no matter what. She never yeah. forgot people's birthdays. And I, I met a friend of mine, this, this lady, she's amazing. She's a young girl out in, uh, in LA that's uh, in public. She's a publicist for some pretty high profile people. And yeah. she kind of talked to me about doing a magazine story on somebody. It was a couple months and we became friendly and talking and yeah. just kind of exchanging ideas about the industry and stuff like that. And <clears throat> she's in marketing and management and, yeah. and, um, and she said to me, she said, I noticed something. She goes, I checked up on you. And I said, you did. And she said, I, I, I went on your social media when we first met. I wanted to make sure you were really who you were. Because she's yeah. very, she's very pretty blonde from Hollywood. And she gets weirdos, you know. Course, and she was like, I found, do, out, yeah. I found out who you are. And, and, you know, and she was like, and I was going through your social media. And she goes, you're a people collector, aren't you? And I never thought about it that way, but I was like, yeah, I guess I kind of am because I just like different stories and diff I love diversity and not in the way, I guess, that people try to use it as a political term now, but yeah. just different kinds of people, just different. It doesn't matter about color or religion or whatever. I mean, different thoughts. I love different mm -hmm. thoughts Yeah. Uh, because I, I pick up something. I, I take something from all of them, whether it's positive or negative, I at least learn something from the experience. And and um, I think that's what I've tried to tie into my writing now. I mean, I think it's what I love about writing is because I can express that even if they're not my thoughts, they're thoughts I've heard someone share that I feel like need to be stated. Yeah. And then, um, I, mean, I have a forum for that now, you know, and yeah. that's what I love. And that's why I collect people because you yeah. all fascinate me. And also, I think it's funny because when, when we met, you were like, I, I have, you literally said the words, I have to write something about you. You are just too different. And I was like, I literally looked at you and I said, I bet you this guy never writes anything. Um, because at that point, I had a lot of 
you know, journalists that were covering like Joe and me and stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah, nothing's going to come of this. But I ended up, we ended up talking just like a lot of talking, a lot of bullshit back and forth and laughing and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, this guy's cool. And to be honest, I don't collect wrestlers very much like as friends. So if you are a wrestler and you've become a friend of mine, that's because you've stayed in touch and you, you know, you're not like ghosted me after we've done something together, you know, it's just the way it is for me. But yeah, I can't, I mean, you survived the Book of Life podcast. We're going to have you back later on this year. So in closing, what would you, how would you A, put yourself over and you've got to put me over in 10 seconds or I'll, I'll give you 30, give you 30. I would say this, I write from the perspective of seeing, feeling, touching, tasting, smelling life. Yeah. Uh, those moments that we live in, that's what I try to reach out and touch and, and put them in your soul. I want you to vision what I see. And I feel like you and I both do that in very different ways, in different genres. We can put someone in a position where it's like our words turn into a movie. Yeah. That's my strength as a writer. And I feel like that's why I can write about any subject anywhere and make it entertaining. You have an incredible gift for visualization and and putting that visual together. And I know that from just working with you. So to have you on the show and as somebody who's sort of evolving in their career has been an absolute honor. And as I said, we'll have you back later this year because you're working on book two and um, I hopefully will, well, we'll, t- we'll talk about Inferno. We'll talk about Conan's reactions and any other wrestlers you can convince to pick it up and read. You're going to force me to do this, aren't you? Yeah, I am. I'm going to email you every day and be like, Come oh, on, what's, what's the responses? And you're going to have to give me a list of names of people that has actually read the book. And I'm trying to get away from wrestling. It's like that the mob movie. Every time I try to get out, they pull me back. Yeah, I know. I'm in the same boat as you. But I, I love, the, I love a lot of the boys. So it's never going to happen for me. But yeah, uh, I, I do love. And... I love the people, man. That's the one yeah. thing I will say. The bit, the best thing about wrestling are some of the people, the people I've met. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I mean, they're people. they're awesome. They're yeah, awesome. I, I mean, I there's some, there's so a few, many. there's a few I can do without. Don't don't get me wrong, but that's every walk I'm of life. Admit, I'm honestly not met anybody that I could put my hand on my heart and say, I never want to meet again. I've right? had a couple I got fist fights with. So, I mean, that's kind of... Yeah, but you, you and me have totally two different ways of doing it. I would have crushed their ego and their soul. Whereas, you know, you wouldn't have. So let's be fair. We both know I can take a... No, I was just wanting to crush their larynx, but yeah, I didn't yeah. accomplish that either. So. So stay tuned next week, guys, as we've got another exciting guest on. And I promise you, it will not be as dirty or as filthy as this one.